Hello, everyone. First of all, I'd love to thank you for tuning in to the Integrative Thoughts podcast. I am your host, Matt Kaufman. And through this platform, I plan on seeking out guests that interest me, that I am curious about, and overall just living a more meaningful, purposeful life in hopes that you as listeners and I myself can grasp onto a little bit of their knowledge and integrate that into our daily lives. Are you having trouble losing weight? Do you get extreme food cravings, especially at night? What about the inability to lose weight even when you cut calories and do a lot of exercise? I know I fell into this category for pretty much most of my life. It's actually probably not even your fault. You most likely have what's called leptin resistance. Leptin is actually a hormone made by the fat cells that regulates food intake and energy expenditure by communicating with the brain. The more fat you have, the more negative leptin messages are actually being sent to your brain. This creates what's called leptin resistance and is going to sabotage all dieting efforts and causes food cravings even when you have enough fat stored. Introducing Zenith, this is an all-new, completely natural formula that gently decreases leptin levels to restore accurate communication between fat cells in the brain. Zenith contains zero harmful stimulants. It's made of all-natural polysaccharides and acetylated fatty acids, very safe for long-term weight loss plans, and it is made in the USA. In an eight-week, university-conducted, double-blind, placebo-controlled study, participants lost 21.3 pounds of fat, lost almost four inches off their waistline, and reduced serum leptin levels by 43%. So if you or someone you know, someone you really love is struggling with weight loss, head down to the show notes. I'll have a link there and a few videos where you can learn more information about Zenith. So listen, I've been experimenting with different types of minerals, especially magnesium, for the past five to six years. But I could never really find a product that I could feel the benefits that magnesium claimed to give. Magnesium is one of the most important minerals for all of human health. It participates in over 600 different biochemical reactions in the body, yet over 80% of the population is deficient. Magnesium deficiency can increase risk for all disease and greatly decrease optimal performance. That's why I like Bioptimizers. They use all seven forms of magnesium in a highly bioavailable form in their product Magnesium Breakthrough. Magnesium helps with stress, anxiety, sleep, immune function, detoxification, and so much more. If you want to try out this product, head over to Buy Optimizers and use code INTEGRATIVETHOUGHTS10 to receive a 10% discount on their amazing product, Mag Breakthrough. How you doing? Woohoo! Thanks yeah, for having no problem. Me. Thanks for being a guest. I figured uh, why not have you on all the stuff we've been sharing back and forth over the past year or year and a half and all the changes you've made and just all the wacky shit that we try out and send to each other and different business adventures that we link each other with and different things. I figured why might as well have you on as one of the first guests. <laughs> yeah, and I love it just because I feel, I mean, you were such, you are such a catapult for me in so many ways and yeah, I mean, my, this whole new journey that I'm on basically started with you texting me. Like, I don't know exa- exactly what the actual text said. I don't remember. But it was something along the lines of, are you eating beef liver yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we'll dive into that whole transformation because that was kind of fun. And uh, I love texting anybody or helping anybody through that type of transition because I was there as well, even though mine was more of a short period, but I still felt the effects of switching back to eating meat and all that stuff. 
But before we dive into your uh, transformation on that, why don't you tell everybody like who you are, kind of your background, you know, more like childhood, how were you, how was your life growing up and things like that? Yeah, so I grew up in Illinois and I was always super active, three sport athlete, had two older brothers. I was a pretty big tomboy. Um, and yeah, I was always super athletic and super normal upbringing. I have such a close knit, amazing family. And I'm super grateful that they are all like-minded and really we're all on a very similar path of truth-seeking and interested in health. And we've always been able to, you know, toss ideas around. And yeah, it's, it's been really wonderful, like with my family, all these different adventures and transitions. And yeah, I kind of started to just question things when I was younger um, and I just, I have that personality of just when I see something is true, I need to go all in and experience it for myself. So, you know, I was 15, I found a local juice bar, started working there, got really into the juice fasting. I started reading all these books on superfoods, all these people doing cleanses and experiencing crazy, miraculous health transformations. So that really started me on a path of veganism and raw veganism. And I was always like a pretty big kid. So so I started, you know, weight and experiencing different health things. And I started getting super dogmatic about veganism. And I really loved looking into all the research and all the doctors that were talking about veganism and raw veganism, healing different people and different things. And I met a ton of people. Um, some of my still really good friends are raw vegans and they have spas and biohacking little spas that they help people do like raw veganism and you know they have amazing success too so um i really got into that like 15 16 17 18 19 20 and then honestly when i was like 22 um i started just collapsing honestly and i definitely you know I, I love, in a perfect world, veganism would be so amazing. Like, I always think about that. It would be so amazing if it actually works, but I just think for the majority of people it doesn't. And we'll probably get into that later in the podcast, but um, yeah, I... I love just learning about truth. And, you know, that introduced me to what's in the water, what's in the soil, um, different realizations of what is happening. And I'm so grateful for my vegan journey because it opened me up to a world that I never would have been introduced to. And it seems like it did the same for you. Like it, it brings your awareness to so many things. And that's what I'm noticing, um, with just the way I live. It's like, I, like I said, I have this personality where I need to experience things myself if I think they're true. Um, and I tend to get a little dogmatic about things. So that's why I was super dogmatic about veganism. Um, and, but however, veganism brought me to permaculture and food forest. So I, I went to Florida Gulf coast university and I studied permaculture, got to know all the cool food forest people, you know, during we'd be in class for permaculture design and we have like an eco spiritual eco consciousness course. And during breaks, we'd go in the food forest and pick papayas and eat bananas off the tree and bring some people would bring like a big bowl. We would just throw a bunch of stuff in there and makes whatever, you know, it, it, 
introduce me to living so integrated with the land. So that brought me to a bunch of different places. So my school obviously was in Florida because Florida Gulf Coast. So um, that brought me all over the country, um, public speaking about permaculture and sustainable living, got really into zero ways to living. Um, of course, I got super dogmatic about that as well and like tried to have my trash in a mason jar for like the whole month. And that was a whole thing. <laughs> and I'm definitely not like that anymore. I respect people that are, but at the same time, it's like mentally so draining. Um, but again, seeing the truth in that and why um, that's part of the truth, but not the whole truth. And then I went to Hawaii and that's kind of when I had a lot of realizations of, um, of just how how we're supposed to be living like all these people went in Hawaii like I remember landing and getting off the plane and seeing all these big barrels like huge barrels in people's backyards and I'm like wow everyone here has a pool and then my friend was like no that's all rainwater catchment and I had studied permaculture and rainwater catchment but I had never seen rain barrels this big and I was like wow, everyone here has one. Everyone here has solar. It's just the norm. Everyone has it. And you know, in Florida, as you and I have lived for quite a while, it's like, um, I mean, I don't live in Florida anymore, but just living there, you know, certain things are illegal like that. So, um, it's, it's so interesting to be when I was living completely like off grid or at these places, like what, that's when the truth came to me and it was leaving veganism integrating more deeply with nature and diving more into biohacking, honestly. That's amazing. So before we dive into the transformation, what do you think brings you to this place where you're always kind of questioning things, looking for truth? Is it just natural? Like you did that as a very young girl or were it like your parents exposed you to different books or well, how does someone kind of evolve in that type of personality where you're always questioning different beliefs in society and stuff like that? You know, I think it's part of it, I think, is because I have two older brothers that were always <laughs> just telling me not to take anything from anyone. And when I found out about these things, you know, with the water, with food, I took it very personally. And I, because I saw, you know, once you learn about what's in the water, once you learn about what they're doing to food and stuff, it's, it, it not only affects us, but it, I mean, it affects everyone around us. And you, especially because I got into permaculture, it made me realize that, um, that how we should be growing food. And I won't go too deep into that right now, but you know, it just opened my eyes to how things should be and how they're clearly not. So I think when you have that realization of how, when you experience how things could be and then how they're not um, with the rest of the world, it stops making sense. And I think because my parents um, my parents are super supportive of my beliefs and everything I dabble in. I've dabbled into all of religions, all of like eating things, everything. And I think having a support system like that has been extremely it's important. And whether it's friends, whether it's family, and you know, sometimes it's just a husband or a wife or a girlfriend, boyfriend, it, but just having that support and being able to talk to people freely and express emotions and ideas, like have that communication. It's just, it's everything. And without that, you know, I really do feel for people that don't have that experience. However, like going through trauma at a young age and, you know, you and I have exchanged stories of trauma. It's like, 
you know, trauma is also a big one too, because when you're in that position, you realize who you were in that trauma and, and you go so far from that because you see you never want to be back in that space again. So it's like this pursuit of happiness, pursuit of truth, realizing that you can experience it now. And, you know, that's where God comes in. That's where relationships come in. And, um, but gosh, having a support, like, for example, you reaching out to me about leaving veganism, you know, that catapulted me. It's like just having someone to grab your hand, you know, and shake your hand and be like, okay, we're, we're going and, um, let's, let's do this together and support each other. I think that's what I've realized over the past years is most important. That's super interesting. And that probably makes a lot of sense. Most people's parents want kids to be normal and play sports and just, they don't want to support them when they're questioning society and questioning beliefs and, most people would probably be afraid to speak to their family about that. So having someone who would accept you in all ways, no matter what your crazy ideas look like, that probably made a world of change for you. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And I definitely feel for people, you know, that, and actually it's funny. Cause you know, when I went vegan, my mom went vegan. When I stopped being vegan, my mom stopped being vegan. You know, she's so like, so, and she, you know, when I, I remember when I stopped being vegan, I'm like, mom, you need to eat meat. You need to eat beef liver with me. You need to eat, you know, we need to go and get the raw beef liver and cook the beef heart. And she was like crying. She's like, but Carly, you showed me all the videos and how am I supposed to stop this now? And I was like, oh, dang it. It's like, oh, what did I do? But, um, but yeah, she, uh, she is one of those women that's so sensitive, but so passionate for truth too, that she saw the truth and what I was saying. And she, she took it on herself because she's so empathetic like me. And, um, then we did it together until it didn't work. And now we're both, you know, not doing it, but it is really powerful to have like minded family. But of course I really understand that's really rare. And that's not usually people's situations, especially, you know, right now where everything is so divisive. So I think that's why, you know, meeting up with community um, and forming community like everyone is right now. It's amazing to see what's going on of people getting together and homeschooling and home birthing and earth skill stuff, like all these little like pockets all over. Because even if it's not your blood family, like that's your family and those are your people. Yeah, you really do have to make those connections if you start thinking outside the box. And it's funny you brought up people with trauma because I do feel that when people kind of work through some of their traumas, whether little or big, no matter how dramatic they are, they start to question more than just the norm. I don't know what it is. It seems like you work through everything you thought about yourself. So then after you work through that, you start to question kind of everything else that's going on. And the veganism is great. I almost think everyone should go vegan for a little bit and watch the documentaries and do all the online research and meet up with people because it really did expose me to so many things. I was doing it just trying to be healthy at the time. I was partying a lot and, you know, popping pills and going to the club and doing all this crazy shit that I did in my twenties. And I was just looking for a change and I watched some of the documentaries and Cole was vegetarian mostly already anyway. So I just started doing vegetarian and then it leaped over into veganism but you're right. That brought me to the the plastic usage, the water. I mean, I was living in Flint, so I kind of got a wide eye open to the whole water situation just in general, because then you start looking into like what is tap water and what's in it. So that was very eye opening. And that was when I first started being vegan. So that was kind of like a double whammy of like all this information I was taking in at the same time and animal welfare. And then 
it just opens you up to so much more and you realize how much you've been lied to and how different things could be and what, what they should be, even though that's not the right path for long term. It did open me up to a lot of things and I still take on a lot of the stuff that I learned in veganism and try to apply it into what do I do today. And we'll get into some of that later. Before we talk about the uh, actual like transition and everything, um, like what did you experience being plant based? Like, did you feel good for a long time? And then like towards the end, was there like a lot of medical like health issues that you overlooked because you were kind of so trapped in this like vegan world? Like to explain the whole transition, because I think a lot of people feel good in the beginning and then towards the end, they're kind of stuck in it and all their friends are vegan and then they're kind of like overlook their health issues. Oh my gosh. I, um, now that I'm not vegan, I look back and I'm just mind blown, like absolutely mind blown by who I was as a person, how I showed up in the world, how I showed up in relationships, how I showed up with my family, how I got it. It's such a great lesson for me because I realize it's, it's almost like, um, a psychological experiment, you know, because, um, the moment I stopped being vegan, I lost so I lost majority of my friends, I would say at that time. And I have a completely new, you know, circle now. And going back, I realized, you know, like you said, when you surround yourself with that same mindset all the time, it was all I saw in my algorithm. It was all I saw in my daily life. It was the conversations I had. I lived in this echo chamber all the time and anything outside of that, that questioned it wasn't allowed. And I was like, no, that person's not awake. They're not spiritual. They're not, they're not high vibe enough. There's not consciousness. And I completely wrote it off. And I think now that I have compassion for that mindset, cause I understand psychologically what it does, but it's interesting. Cause I, work now with so many people that have followed me like this entire journey of veganism. And now all of them are not vegan anymore. Well, I think a couple of them are, but, um, they're starting to question, you know, and that's like the beauty of it, like starting to question, but going back, it's like, you know, I lived in a space where my beliefs could not be questioned. And now I'm realizing that's like, everything is always allowed to be questioned. If you can't question it, you have some work to do. And I, if I was getting offended and couldn't answer questions, that's when you know there's work to be done. Now if people question how I eat, it's a different experience. But back then with veganism, it would like shake me. It, I, I could not accept people eating meat. I remember going to dinner with my family and they would order meat and I would get up and do, I would go on a walk outside of the restaurant. Cause I'm like, that's my activism. And although I do understand that coming from a place of conventional agriculture, as you and I know, we have spoke so much about regenerative agriculture, permaculture, and how that's the way. But even like losing that compassion for my family when they weren't vegan, um, and then almost pressuring them to not listen to their body, to then follow my dogma, to make me comfortable, it was mind blowing. So I think it was a really great lesson for me. And, you know, the health stuff I experienced, oh my gosh, like I grew up, my eating disorders really started right before veganism. And for me, and for I don't want to say majority of women because that's a very big statement, but for a lot of women I talk to, veganism is just a way to control how you eat, control what you take in, um, because a lot of us come from having social media at a young age, 
And, you know, being forced said this stuff on, you know, we're on Instagram, we see a video of animal cruelty or a documentary and we're women, we have emotion. This is the whole masculine feminine dynamic too, of really going after women with this experience because we just feel it in our bodies right away. And so, so do like empathetic men too. I don't want to take away from that, but you know, for me, it's just like in my mom, I was able to be like, mom, how can you, how can you eat animals and milk when you're taking away from another mother? That's an animal, you know, that like emotional connection. And my mom was like, wow, as a mother, I understand what you're saying. And I feel that. So the emotional level makes sense. Um, and again, in a perfect world, it would make sense. It would be amazing and fairy-like if everyone <laughs> right. could be vegan and it worked for our bodies, right? But, um, and, but the reality is that it's never been that way and it's never going to be that way because that's not human nature. And I think stepping away from like that floofy, floofy, like everything's going to be perfect and everyone's going to be vegan and the animals are going to be amazing. Like that's just never been true. Life has always been the circle of life and that's the beauty of it. And I think that's how during hard times we're able to like be with God or be with something bigger than ourselves because it's never been meant to be this like, la, 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 la. Um, at least that's like my understanding now. And we can um, have a deeper experience. But I've noticed when I was vegan, I ha I was literally like living out of my body all the time. And I connect with a lot of people that speak about this too. It's like, you're living up here, but you're not grounded in your body. And now that I'm eating meat, I feel connected. I feel grounded. I feel... So just here, and I noticed looking at old pictures of myself when I was vegan, it looks like I was like hallucinating. I was not being able to have eye contact. And I actually noticed that when I do speak with some people um, that I've known that were vegan, um, that I actually don't speak with anymore. They, I've noticed that they're not able to be in their bodies as much. And they, it, it's almost like they're levitating. Um, and I've connected with so many people about this and a lot of people that were vegan really do resonate with this experience of like just not being here, not being able to be grounded. And I know that's a really big concept. And if someone were to tell me that when I was vegan, I would not believe it. But looking back at the pictures of myself, I could see, you know, my face was sunken in, my chest was sunken in. I didn't have like womanly features and, um, a lot of my friends that are ex-vegan now have the same experience. Like my friend was actually considering considering getting Botox at one point because her face sunk in so much being vegan. And um, a lot of vegans like that I know, um, they would get Botox and stuff. And um, not that I'm judging that, but I just think that, you know, it's depleting your collagen. So you like your face starts to sink in, your eyes start to sink in, your chest, and then people are okay with getting Botox and like, you know, facelifts or they're okay with getting plastic surgery, but they're not okay with drinking raw milk. Like it doesn't make sense. So I think that, um, you know, that's when I started to realize the issues too, when my friend was telling me about her experience of her face kind of shifting and how she was considering getting work done. Um, but then she actually just went to eat, went back to eating raw milk and eggs and beef. And she said her face started to plump up again. Um, and I was like, whoa, there is really, really something to this. And yeah, I, my body has completely changed the way I see my body has completely changed. And, but looking back at those pictures, it's scary. I look almost prepubescent, honestly, and completely infertile, not getting periods. My teeth were hurting. 
my hair was falling out. My nails were brittle. My nails are like, I just clip my nails, but usually they're super, super long. It's like amazing how animal foods have changed my body. Um, and it's just so obvious to me now. Like it's so <laughs> obvious and it's so funny. Oh, I'm like, wow, how did I never see this? But I really, truly understand. So for anyone that's super dogmatic about anything, I really understand. It's like, you know, the need to fit in, like getting truth and feeling that and like wanting, wanting it, the truth of that so bad. And then when people offer different evidence, um, or yeah, different circumstances, like it can't be questioned. And that's what I was living in. And now I really try not to be in that space. Like, of course I have discernment and use my intuition, but I also try to understand where everyone's at. Um, and then like not, um, get too dogmatic about what I believe in and too hard because, you know, we all are human and I don't want to take away from, you know, loving someone that's still vegan. Like I said, I still have amazing friends that are vegan that are doing great. Like they look great. They feel great. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's powerful. And I really hope it continues to work for you. But for me, and I would say majority of people, it doesn't work long-term. 100%. We talked about that on your live and if people have never seen that. They can go check that out. Got quite a few views, especially just getting trapped in these boxes. And I, I even said the same thing about, you know, the uh, carnivore and the vegan, it's going to work for some people and it's not going to work for majority of people. And I think the same with the pro metabolic company and, or the camp, not company. I mean, that's going to work for some people. And then some people are eating sugar and drinking milk all day. And like, I got fat. I'm like, pro metabolic's not for me. I was like gained 10 pounds fast. I had to like instantly switch from doing all of that. And I was like, so that's clearly not for me because if I'm just gaining 10 pounds in like a month or two, like all belly, like not like good looking, you know, I'm already a thicker guy. I don't need an extra 10 pounds. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, so that clearly doesn't work for me. And, but then it's like, if you say something about pro metabolic to someone in that camp, it's like they're, they're stuck in that box, just like a vegan and everything else. And you really have to just tailor it to what makes you feel best and what, <clears throat> what works for you. And it's just so interesting that when we get trapped in those boxes that we, we've talked about, you know, till we can hit each other over the head. We've talked about it so much about getting stuck in these boxes in these camps. And you just got to experiment and try and see what works for you. I do want to circle back to something, though. You talked about kind of having an eating disorder. And maybe that's the reason some people kind of are working through and trying veganism. It's kind of like uh, to help with their already existing eating disorder. Well, let's touch on that a little bit because maybe that might resonate with some people. What did your eating disorder look like and what do you think veganism did for the eating disorder? Yeah, so I, like I said, I was a really chunky kid and I have, I, I was sitting at the boys' table for lunch all of elementary school, I remember the principal came up to me and was like, hey, do you want to sit maybe at the girls' table? And I was like, no. I just loved like kickball and like being, I don't, it was, I was so masculine. And um, I'm super grateful that my parents never like did anything with that because it was such a phase for me and I'm so feminine now and I love being feminine. And um, I look back at that time and I, it's so awesome that I did that and I felt so badass and like ding dong fishing with my brothers and like being this like, you know, whatever. Um, my brothers are so much older than me, but um, yeah, it was so it was such a phase and that is kind of like a similar um, thing that I had with eating disorders. Like when I started to not feel good being masculine anymore, 
I started to try to be super feminine. And that meant one of the number one things for me was like, you know, seeing stuff on social media at a young age, seeing ads, seeing magazines. It was like losing weight, dressing sexy, like um, just altering my body, everything being painful. So I would even like, I mean, this is absolutely nuts, but I would wear like two bras to school, starve myself, like try to, you just like this awkward. And I, this is where I think the whole like Victoria's secret, like, um, like sexualizing kids type thing comes in. It was such a, I had such a experience trying to be feminine based on like everything that's put on kids now and really scary stuff. And that, you know, led to just feeling so uncomfortable in my body. And that led to bulimia and being anorexic, then going vegan and being orthorexic. And I think it's just because like, I look at kids now that are raised in like eco villages and able to like express or like, you know, in safe homeschools and stuff like that. And, um, I see how without a lot of media, they're so able to freely be themselves and express like being feminine or the boys like stepping into their masculine at a young age. And, um, I just think that I didn't have a healthy relationship with like a masculine feminine dynamic within myself. And that led to eating disorders. And then that veganism was perfect for that. Cause it was like, Oh my gosh, it's like masked as something that's like super healthy, super good for the planet. And then let me like ride that and just, you know, um, just be orthorexic, but label it as veganism. And not that there's not truth in veganism. Like I really did resonate with, at one point I like gave up all my leather, gave up all the honey that I had. Like I was really super into it, but now looking outside of it, I'm like, wow, that was just orthorexia at the core. And I think that a lot of people do struggle with orthorexia and finding out what's in food and like diving into truth. So I get it. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a really intense experience, but I think it comes from not listening to our bodies, not knowing our bodies. And that's exactly what I went through when I was younger. I wasn't listening to my body. I didn't know my body. I like went from one pole, like I went from one extreme or one side of the pendulum to the other side of the pendulum. And I just see it so clearly now how there was no like healthy, there was no healthy transition. It's like, it just went polar. And I think that is um, intentional in a lot of ways of what media does and these magazines or in these TV shows do to kids. And that's why I'm super passionate about not watching TV, not listening to, you know, certain types of music um, because it is all deep. And yeah, I just think that with the eating disorder stuff, I mean, I, there's even people that are, you know, could have an eating disorder, being keto, eating disorder, being pro-metabolic. But I noticed and this is the crazy part, Matt. Like I noticed that once I was nourished, all of my eating disorder stuff went away. All of it. I, I feel like I am, since I started eating meat again, I feel like I have no signs of an eating disorder at all. I used to, I can go out now freely. I could, when I was vegan, I could never go out freely. It was like, oh my gosh, I can't have seed oils. Oh my gosh, I can't have seeds. Um, and I don't want this and I don't want this. And uh, blah, 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 blah. and I would be, be like, fucking like a smoothie bowl with orange juice and like a banana and like peanut butter, you know, it's like, that's not life. That's not nutri, new, um, that's not nutritious. On that note, I need like a sip of raw milk, but um, it was not nutritious. And 
I have this conversation with people about how when you're vegan, all you can think about is food. You're thinking about your next meal. You're eating. 30 minutes later, you're hungry. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry, but why am I hungry? I just ate. La, 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 la. I need to eat. Oh my gosh, okay, I'm going to wait two hours. I'm going to wait an hour and then make something else. I would make smoothie bowls and then 30 minutes later be hungry and I'd be making brownies. Or I was making stuff all day, every day because I was always so hungry. But I had ground beef for breakfast and I, I mean, I try to eat every like three hours, but I could go for five hours and be like, oh shit, I got to eat because my brain isn't in that constant, oh my gosh, where's my next meal? That wasn't enough. Where's my next meal? And so now that I'm nourished, my body's not freaking out about its next meal. It's like actually able to be present and live and not think all the time. I used to go to bed and this is like, uh, this will resonate with so many vegans and ex-vegans. I used to go to bed thinking about breakfast, th- like excited about breakfast. Like, oh my gosh, what am I going to make for breakfast? Like getting excited about smoothie bowls and all this stuff. And now I go to bed and I wake up and I'm like, okay, like I'm going to go make something cool, but it's like, whatever. But before I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wake up to eat. And oh my gosh, like I can't go eat right now. It's 10 o'clock and uh, that's going to stick to my body as fat. Or I read something that we're not supposed to eat past 6 p.m. And like, it's going to my circadian rhythm and I'm not going to be healthy. And like, it's nuts what it does to our minds. And like, I, yeah, I just love the other day I was connecting with someone who's ex-vegan and she was like talking about how, yeah, food is all you can think of all the time when you're vegan for most people's experiences. And then you, you tell yourself when you're craving something that's eggs or you're craving something that's meat, you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm lacking a mineral. I'm not, maybe I'm lacking some vitamin D or E or choline or whatever. And it's like, instead of being like, I'm going to go maybe experiment with eggs, you think, oh, I just got to go buy a supplement that's based in, that's in packaging, that's from wherever the fuck in the world, whoever handled it, you know, it, it just stops making sense. So yeah, it is a huge eating disorder and people or eating disorder and problem for a lot of people. And I don't think people fully recognize that until after they leave. And I actually find that a lot of people find out what through like vegan pregnancies when their body is craving steak. And it's a common pattern for, um, a lot of women I've spoken to that start to dream about eggs, dream about steak. And so the whole vegan dogma thing of don't listen to your taste buds, don't listen to your body. Once that registered in my mind of like, oh my gosh, what am I, what am I telling people? Oh, if you're, if you're craving eggs, just maybe make a a flax (laughs) egg or make a fucking whatever. Like, what are you saying? What are, what was I saying? And just literally telling people, oh my gosh, you know, I love being vegan and like listening to my body and like, you know, just getting all these minerals and nutrient dense things. But then people were like, oh, but my body's telling me to eat eggs. I'm like, don't listen to your body. It made no sense. Right. It's like, so it's just so funny looking back at it and it's actually wild, but it helps me understand the world so much more now, now that I'm out of it, because I, I do the group think and like the cult-like behavior with anything, with vegan, with pro-metabolic, with anything. It's like, you know, I have, I have my adrenal cocktail right now. This is pro-metabolic, but I wouldn't label myself as pro-metabolic. You know, I, I'm going to listen to my body. If my body tomorrow is like, I want to freaking eat, I don't know, like what's something that's not pro-metabolic. I can't think, but like, 
if it's if my body's craving like a fruit juice that they're like don't drink i'm gonna have the freaking fruit juice i'm gonna listen to my body because once we get not everyone is the exact same and that's how it is that's why i appreciate like when i got into biohacking and stuff looking into all that stuff how it's different for each person you can do different programs for each different like body because we're just we're not all the same so to have a one size fits all with anything with biohacking with food with relationships whatever it's it's that's never how it's been and it's never how it's going to be so i think everyone just needs to recognize that <laughs> no absolutely i i can attest to the when i was vegan i had to always have like food carried with me like protein bar or some form of smoothie or like some like grab and go meal i would get from some raw vegan place it was like and i would like always even make sure like i was trying to get as much protein as possible cuz i like to work out and like the calories were there, but the nourishment wasn't. So your brain was like, you need some more food. Like you're, cause you're clearly not getting what your body is, want. the signals that it's sending to you, you're not giving it. So it's just like, give me some more food. So you're thinking, well, why not whip up another thousand calorie smoothie bowl? And then two hours later, like, well, maybe I'll make another thousand cat. Like I'm eating calories. And it was kind of strange because you didn't really get fat like I could eat like whatever I wanted and I wouldn't put on a lot of weight but I lost like a, I was just looking at photos because I was deleting a bunch uh, through my phone the other day and I was like just bloated even though I wasn't fat I was just bloated and my arms were real tiny like I lost all my muscle I was bloated I was having clearly probably low thyroid even though I didn't get that checked though the worst gas and gut issues sleep issues brain fog and I just couldn't couldn't get down with it and luckily I was listening to uh, like Ben Greenfield's podcast and Aubrey Marcus because I was getting into like some plant medicines and mushrooms and stuff uh, even in that kind of like spiritual realm and I read Own the Day and he's talking about all these benefits of grass-fed beef and then Ben Greenfield was always talking about all the benefits and how he tried uh, raw veganism for six months and lost all his muscle and didn't feel well and I'm thinking wow maybe maybe it's not the way to go like they're saying that all this grass-fed beef is like the healthiest food on the planet. So then one day I just up and tried some out, felt great, had the grass-fed beef, had the eggs, and I'm just like, well. And I just never looked back because I, I, my body was such a hell yes when I ate that. It was crazy. But I could see how someone with an eating disorder would probably like it because they didn't really have to like it, even though it's orthorexic because you like can't have any animal products. So it's like, super neurotic and it's like draining and stressful to like read every ingredient and go out to eat with other people like all of that shit is stressful on your nervous system even though you try to play it chill and play it cool because a lot of times you're going out with non-vegans and they're not going to go to the vegan restaurant every once in a while they might like i talked my cousins into it one time but like for the majority of the time you're going to go where they want to go because they don't eat vegan and it's super, just super, super neurotic. And you got to look at every little thing and ask the waiter a thousand things. And But I could see how someone who is now allowed to eat as much as they want without gaining a whole bunch of weight would probably enjoy that lifestyle coming from maybe something where they were starving themselves or doing this or doing that. Because if you start eating the nut butters and stuff, you're going to get some calories. But if you're just like eating salads and plants, you really 
not going to gain much weight because there's not really that many calories there. And a lot of people are doing that or even like the fake meats. It's all kind of real low calorie. And I could see how someone would really enjoy that because now they feel less restrictive. But it's also like another style of eating disorder because it's just so draining. So totally. it's like you transferred one eating disorder for another one, even though this one feels more free and it's all airy fairy and it feels like you're in wonderland because you're not you're not totally. harming anything. And we'll get into the sustainability stuff for sure yeah. because that's a load of shit too. And we all got fed that and we all thought we were doing the right thing for the planet. And definitely I feel like what I'm doing now is way better for the planet than what I, what I was doing when I was vegan. Totally. So, and I've just I've been in the whole rabbit hole with that and all the tallow products and the leather and the things like that. So let's uh, dive in to like, yeah. so what actually was like the breaking point for you? Cause I remember like, I was still following you even though you were vegan and I'm like, she's going to give this shit up one day. I know it. And like, she looks like she kind of has like bags <laughs> under her eyes. Like she keeps posting about hasn't like not getting periods. I'm like, she's got to wake up one day. There's no question. So I was like waiting kind of for the day. And then you kind of like reached out to me and said, don't tell anybody. Like I'm trying, I'm like, okay, I knew it was coming one day. And so um, what was like, you know, what broke you? Like, what were you like, shit, I might as well just, try it out and um what happened there <laughs> this is like the best story it's so funny so because <laughs> looking back it's just hilarious i was living in hawaii and you know i was preaching how veganism was so sustainable um <laughs> and i actually did do it in like a way because I lived in Florida. So I was able to forage a lot of my own stuff, get a lot of local goods. I was still going to Whole Foods a lot though. Still eating like plant protein from like all over the world. Like it just stopped. Like it, there were so many ways I was doing it sustainably, but then I would preach how it was like the most sustainable way. But then for someone, um, basically I was consuming like a lot of packaged products that were vegan and like marketed to be vegan, um, but they weren't sustainable um, and they weren't healthy. And I recognized that so deeply. So it made me really just open my eyes to, okay, if like, if this is happening here, like where else in like the vegan movement is this happening? And I realized, you know, I, I connected with some people that talked about different funding things that they experienced through like nonprofits and like um, also I talked with a lot of people and I know this is going to be very controversial, but I talked with a lot of people that had changes in their sexuality and their mental health. And I recognize how veganism was changing my sexuality because I wasn't having periods and I wasn't getting certain hormones. So of course that's going to change your sexuality and made me not want to reproduce. And now that I'm eating animal products, oh my gosh, now that I'm fertile, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to have so many kids. And before I was like, I don't want, and that could be for a few reasons too. Um, but you know, I, it, a big reason probably was because I wasn't getting my periods and because I wasn't feeling safe in my body, safe in my surroundings. So that's such a huge part of it. Um, but I also started talking to people that were really experiencing, I would have a lot of like panic attacks and anxiety attacks, um, really extreme towards the end of my veganism. And I was going through a traumatic experience. So I'm not going to like blame all of veganism on that, but 
I feel like I wasn't, if I was having meat during that time, I feel like I could have had the opportunity to be a lot more grounded. Um, and now experiencing, it's so funny, like not to use like trauma is like a marker, but like trauma then versus trauma now, although different circumstances, I'm able to tolerate it so differently because I have minerals and because I have different hormones now, because I am able to think a little bit more, a lot more clearly. And, um, I was actually having this conversation with my boyfriend the other day, how when he was vegan, he would have insane panic attacks. Um, and like, let's say he was going to the airport, like he needed to be there three hours early. Cause it made him so anxious, like different things would make him so anxious. And I really resonate with that. How I used to be so anxious about so many random things that didn't make sense. Like that were not logical. And, um, also I spoke with my boyfriend about this too, how when he was vegan, he was not able to like have the same like sexual interactions. Um, he was actually married and he couldn't like the, he wasn't able to be intimate in certain ways. Um, because his body, like you're, you, you and I had this conversation in our Instagram live, like your body is not focusing on reproducing when it's in a stressed out state. It doesn't care. It's not trying to put a, a child in this world when it's so stressed out. And now like listening to his testimony of how his sexuality changed eating animal products and raw milk. Um, I think they're making it kind of taboo to talk about this, but someone messaged me two days ago and they're like, I never thought I would hear from this girl. She was super, super vegan. And she messaged me and was like, Hey, I want to ask you a few questions about what you experienced. And I'm like, I hear you, girl. I hear you. I was there too. I'm here for you. And I was like, I have a question for you. Like, is your sexuality changing? She's like, I've never seen a study on how plant-based eating affects sexuality. So I would love to see some studies. But now that you say that, I thought I was asexual. And I've noticed a lot of people thinking that they're asexual um, when they're vegan. And there's a lot of ex-vegans that have talked about this, like them turning asexual. And um, I think that in this world today, that's hard to talk about um, for a lot of people because they're almost like demonizing that in a way. Like we're, we're so trying to support people and lift people up that are asexual, that are experiencing different sexual things. But when people recognize that they were asexual or they did have feelings of being like gay or bi or whatever, and now they ate meat and now they're not experiencing that, like that's still valid too. Like I have so many gay friends. I don't care. I love them. I love their sexuality. I'm so happy for them. But for the people that like are experiencing different sexual changes and then realizing, oh, they were just like missing a mineral, like that's really valid too. Like it's both valid. So to say one experience is true, not the other, that's where I'm kind of like, hmm. So I think, you know, that is very controversial. I've experienced it myself. I've many, many, many people that have experienced it themselves. And like you always say, anecdotes matter and it doesn't matter if there's not a study about it, it's still happening and that's valid. So I think that, you know, I... Um, I just honor where everyone's at and I'm grateful that she is kind of making this connection in her head. Like, Oh, like I did want to maybe have kids, but then I, um, went vegan and now I'm feeling asexual and then now I'm going to eat animal products. And, you know, I, I've just seen this pattern so much with a lot of people. They wanted to have kids. They went vegan. They stopped wanting to have kids. Then they eat meat again. They want to have kids. And then they feel more aroused. They feel more sexual. Like it's, it's very, and I know you resonate with this too. Like it's very, very clear. And, um, I think with, when people are in veganism, they can't see it because it's hard to see when you're in it. I couldn't see any of this when I was in it. No, 100%. I actually like lost a lot of sexual function personally. It's like just was 
less interested in having sex. And I grew up a very, very sexual person, very open about my sexuality and, uh, you know, never thought it was like taboo to talk about sex. I was like, sex is normal. Sex is great. Sex makes me feel better. Like even when I'm single and it's just with a random, like I feel better if I have sex. So I don't want to just like, just because I'm single, like not have sex, like I'm going to figure something out here and, uh, you know, did it a little excessive, but at the, at the end of the day, it calmed me down. It felt better. Like it felt natural, right? Like you should have a sex drive. And then once I lost my sex drive, I'm like, clearly something's depleted here. Something's going wrong. And I had some other medical issues that were on top of it, but just in general, I had the lowest sex drive probably ever just didn't even feel like having sex. And I feel bad for my my now wife, girlfriend at the time, fiance, because I just would like get in bed and just like roll over. Like go to for one, I was so damn tired. I just wanted to go to bed anyways. It was like the 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 pure fatigue of it um just made me like I don't even have the extra energy to want to have sex and I just didn't really want to all the time like I used to. Like I would, but it wasn't like my sex drive like I normally have and it was super, super interesting and definitely completely normal now, but it was it was bad there for a while, and the veganism part was probably the worst of it for sure. Yeah, and you know the science behind it, like, uh, and I've met up with so many people that it's made their OCD worse. It's made them get OCD, get ADHD, like get all these mental things, make them so chronically fatigued, adrenal fatigue, and you know the re- now studying into why this is happening is because your body is not having the nutrients and especially the minerals, and it could be also from like birth control pills, other things that are happening, water, fluoride, and stuff. But you know. I noticed that once, once I started remineralizing with beef liver, with adrenal cocktails, like that perfect concoction of like the sodium, the vitamin C and the potassium, the magnesium, like getting all these things back. I used to need naps all the time. Like I used to be like, Oh my gosh, it's nine o'clock. Need to go to bed. Like I was so, so sensitive um, and I, my brother was like, Carly, remember when you needed to have naps all the time? Like you'd come to visit you need a nap. And now I'm like, woo, you know, it's like I'm back. So I think that's another important thing. So sensitive. Like when I was vegan, like if someone were to say something mean to me, it would destroy me. I've always been a very sensitive person. If like someone doesn't like me when I was younger, it would like tear me apart. Um, and this could be like just an aging thing too. But I think when I was sensitive, and people were to like question me or you're this or you're that. I'd be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, oh my gosh. And then when I started eating meat and I felt more grounded and I came out about not being vegan, I got death threats. I got YouTube videos made about me. I got people talking about me, posting all this shit about me, calling me, telling me to never talk to them again, erasing me from their lives. And I was just so sure that what I was doing was true because I knew in my body when I had that meat that it was true. And I'm so sure. So it just stopped affecting me. People could literally say anything about me. And it literally, and also this was like when my relationship with God like came to fruition too, because I stopped relying on like other things for validation and just started having like a connection um, and like meditating and praying way more intensely. And it's it was the craziest experience because like things that would have made me so depressed um, and sad about losing all these people from my life, like literally 90% of people. Um, 
it, it didn't fucking phase me. And it felt so powerful. I was like, what is going on? Like, is this really beef liver? Like, is this God? Like, you know, it just became so great. So, and now, yeah, I, I noticed the same thing. If people say things, I'm like, all right, you know, I don't care. Like you're entitled to your opinion, but it's not like, oh my gosh, but you're just projecting this onto me and I'm a reflection and like, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, just trying to like make this whole thing about it. I just feel more of like, you know, I, I can, I can see that and I can feel you. Can I still, I can still do self inquiry, but I don't feel like my whole world's going to end or I have to question myself all the time of who I am because I feel more mentally stable and sure. And I feel more grounded. So um, that's kind of what I was getting at earlier in the conversation when I said like people were living up here, like that's how I feel like, you know, when I came back in my body and I started to be like grounded and like more primal, um, also I forgot to mention this experience. Like when I really started to realize that I needed me, I was in the grand Canyon and my friends uh, with my friends off grid in their RV. And we were there for, I think a week. And I started, I was outside and I would just like start crawling on the ground and I would be collecting wood. And just like, I was like in a crazy part of like my life at this point, like experiencing a lot of insane events and trauma. And I was just like trying to like be with the ground and like collect wood for the fire and dance and sing. And all of a sudden I had this feeling of needing a bow and needing to hunt. And I was like, and I was still vegan at this point. And I was like, what? Like, what is that? I feel actually, no, I wasn't vegan at this point. I was consuming eggs and I was consuming like collagen powder from fish, but I knew that I needed meat. My body was like, you need meat. And I just had this vision of myself of killing an animal. I was like shocked. Cause I was like, I'm never going to eat meat. Like maybe I'll do eggs. Maybe I'll do milk, but I'm never going to eat meat. And, um, then I was like, fuck, I need meat. <laughs> so then I went back to Hawaii and started eating salmon, um, started eating way more eggs. Then I ended up leaving Hawaii, going back to like living in a farm area and um, on the mainland and head up my local farmer, started eating meat. My brain lit up and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So our bodies tell us and veganism tells us not to listen to our body. But I just wanted to share that story because, you know, a lot of people, ex- and then it's funny because like, um, yeah, my boyfriend now, like he, he went through the exact same experience and like, he, his first gift to me was a bow while I was in my hunting courses. And like, that's how, and we weren't even dating at that time too. Um, but he had just got me a bow. Cause he's like, I feel like you need this. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I do. And so now like just getting to use the bow, I haven't gone hunting yet, but I've gone through the certifications cause I know that I want to do it in an ethical way that resonates with me, but I want to do it. Like I need to do it. I feel like it's an initiation thing that I need to experience with the circle of life. Our ancestors did it. You know, I'm from Sweden. My, like all my ancestors were hunters. All of our, no matter what you are, your ancestors were hunters. You know, it's like, we all have that intuitive knowledge. So to tap back into that is like, I think it's so important for that primal, those primal roots. Yeah, that's amazing. And so when you first had that first animal product or meat was like crazy, I felt like I like stared at my plate for like 10 minutes, like after I cooked it. Like it smelled amazing when I cooked it, but I was like kind of just staring at it. And I was only vegan for one year. Like I, I didn't have meat for a year and a half between vegetarianism and veganism. So were you like sneaking it, hiding it? And then like, how long did it take for you to kind of come out and like tell people? And then how did you like build up that courage? Cause you had such a big following in the plant-based community. So like, how did you build up that courage to tell everybody? So kind of walk us through that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was, um, 
So I, as you know, like it's scary coming out about it. You know, I know you were so deep in it too. And even if it was just for a year, like you had the whole Facebook group about it and you had so many friends that were vegan. I remember hanging out with you and Cole and like, you know, we're all getting smoothie bowls and we're like, yeah, we're <laughs> vegan. And um, so much better than everyone here in this cafe. And um, <laughs> so like, yeah, I, I um, was going to the farmer's markets and found this amazing local farm. And um, I was started talking to the guy that was running the booth and I ended up going over to a mutual friend's house with him. And um, he was like the butcher, the farmer, he brought like all of the stuff over. Um, and he, he's like a hunter too. So I was able to like ask him questions about hunting and stuff. And, um, he brought the meat over and I was sitting with them and I was like, this is my first time eating meat. And they're like, they were so like, we respect you. We understand. Um, we're here for you. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. And I was like, I, I need to do it. And I remember, I remember tasting that pork chop and being <laughs> like, oh my gosh, this is the best pork chop. And, um, and I remember like going to the farm, going to the farm where the animal was butchered and killed and understanding like I can also watch, I can be with these animals, pet these animals, but also like they can be killed. And all, I was just at an earth skills festival last month. And one of the activities was people brought bunnies. And then one of the workshops was killing the bunny and, um, harvesting it and, you know, using the fur, people then made it into like jackets and, um, clothes and then harvested the meat and the organs. And, um, that was, yeah, it was like, they were, it, it was really powerful. And I, you know, I know some vegans might be watching this and think Carly, you're a psycho, but like petting the bunny before watching them give so much love and thanks to this bunny and then killing it, you know, it's, it's so powerful. And I actually wasn't there for the killing. And I know it's very important for me to be at the next workshop. I was actually making a, a flute out of river cane, which I wish I could show you. I left it um, at my other place, but um, I made this dope flute. And, um, and yeah, it's like, I, I realized that, you know, it, it's still so possible to love and the, the circle of life. So that's how life is. I mean, people die all the time. It's just, it, it's not, it's with animals in this space, it's really powerful to have that experience and be intentional about it. And, um, coming out about it, I was really secretive about it. Like, I don't know if you remember, but I actually didn't come out about it. I was, I stopped talking about me being vegan for like about four ish months. I stopped using the word vegan on my page, never came out about it. Um, and then started secretly eating eggs and secretly eating fish collagen. And it's funny because I was living in Hawaii and um, I was so scared about telling people that I wasn't vegan anymore. I was ordering fish collagen from that company, Truvani, and I was getting it shipped to Hawaii. So how fucking unsustainable is that? Like I could have just gone to a local fisherman, but because I was so scared and had no logic, I ordered it in secrecy and then I'd get it to my house and I'd put it in a mason jar and I'd take the wrapper and I'd go drive and go to the whole, the store and put it in their garbage. Cause I'm like, this cannot be tracked back to me. Psycho. I know. So then I was eating eggs from, um, a, 
sanctuary. There's a bird sanctuary that I taught yoga at. So like there would always be eggs that the chickens would just be like and like drop right in front of you. So I'd be like, okay, sweet. So I would take those. And then um, I was like, wait, this is way more sustainable than the plant-based protein I'm consuming right now. Like this is literally in front of me. And then that protein ingredients from all over the world in a bag being shipped here, being shipped here. And also like I do still consume supplements. Like um, my boyfriend just got us like this big bag of like raw raw way from New Zealand. So I definitely still like am not a hundred percent local. So I just want to say that like, I'm definitely still supplementing and like, you know, this orange juice is probably from California. So I'm not like hyper local, but I live in an amazing area where I get my meat here, bacon here, um, milk, there's milk here all the time, honey, like everything is super hyper local. Um, but I, again, I don't want to be like too dogmatic. So anyways, um, I, I actually had someone come out on Instagram and tell people that I wasn't vegan. So I actually never did. Um, I didn't know that. (laughs) So I actually, that was pretty traumatic. Yeah, that was um, pretty traumatic for me. Um, And yeah, I wasn't ready. I wasn't, I only had told this person because I was very close to them. Um, And then, you know, we went our separate ways and, that he expressed to Instagram that I wasn't vegan anymore. And, um, that was really traumatic for me because I didn't, you know how, when you're so my whole life was veganism for so long and I wasn't, I was in the middle of a really rough situation, um, with like my health and separation and all this stuff. And to have like someone else say that it reminds me of how, you know, Ravana, that really big blogger. I don't know if you remember her. Um, she mm-hmm. is like millions of followers and she was called out on Instagram for not being vegan anymore. And that really made me feel for her. Cause I'm like, yeah, she just wasn't, she wasn't ready to talk about. Like, I get it. It's your life. It's your career. It's your friends. It's your family. It's everything. Like, I think everyone who's listening, like if you, I always encourage people, like if you're not ready to talk about it, don't. Like, don't wait till your body and your nervous system is ready because your nervous system and your minerals are so depleted. Like, you're not in a good place to experience stress, you know? Yeah, no reason to kind of add external pressure. So what did you do? You just went and obviously once someone calls you out, you might as well tackle the uh, issue like head on, right? Did you just start explaining what happened and how you felt or what? Well, it actually like it had the opposite effect. Like it made me question and think I was maybe doing the wrong thing. So that's what actually delayed my process of going more into like raw beef liver right away and milk. Cause I started thinking like, wait, like, am I a bad person? Should I not be doing this? Like, am I wrong? Like I didn't feel mentally sane. Honestly, I felt I was like gaslighting myself, like God. And I came out to my community at community. I'd like, you know, about 30,000 people on my page at this point. I'm coming out on stories being like, guys, I'm so sorry, but like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what my body's saying. I don't know what my life is. Like I was in the middle of such a crazy, you know, it's like, it's, it was just such an insane situation where like, I feel like that was the last thing I should be worrying about. Like what people thought of my diet, but it like, people were like, Carly, why are you doing this? Like you're, this is going to be so bad for your body. Like you're eating all this cancerous stuff and, um, you're just in a traumatized state. You don't really need to be eating meat. Like you're just confused. And I was like, wow, maybe I am confused. Like maybe I am. And you know, I know this is like a very vague conversation right now for like whatever, but you know, it's like, if someone's like, it, it was just, I was, I think in trauma in general, 
when people are, are in traumatized state, whether it's not veganism, whatever, and people are tra- telling them like, oh, honey, like maybe your intuition's not right. Maybe you're just traumatized. And you're not making a logical decision, which like can be true sometimes, but that's where I feel like it's <clears> always <throat> so important to come down to our intuition come down to um, our emotions because I know a lot of people in the vegan community that try to come out and then people are like, oh, well, maybe you shouldn't be vegan Um, or no, maybe you're just suffering right now because your mother just passed away or, oh, maybe you're suffering right now because you just gave birth. Maybe you don't need um, animal products. Your body's just a little stressed out right now or, oh, maybe, you know, whatever. Like they're making up all these excuses. And my excuse at that time was, Carly, maybe you don't need animal products. Maybe you're just going through a really hard time right now. So it made me think like, oh, maybe I'm going through a hard time. Like, and I, this isn't the right move. So anyways, long story short, it delayed it for a long time. And um, then I kind of came to my senses, but I just feel inclined to share that because I do know like a lot of people that delay coming out of veganism because they blame it on other things in their life. Like, oh, you know, this was a stressful year, blah, 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 blah. It's like, I mean, food is there to nourish you through the stress and like be there for you. So I just think that once your body calls for it and like you have that calling, you need to listen. But that's why I was so, it sucks that I was called out about it. But at the same time, like it doesn't at this point, like I don't really care. Like it was fucking awesome that I got called out for it because it catapulted do this. Um, but yeah, I would just consider like anyone that's listening. Cause I'm sure when I share with my community, there'll be a lot of vegans that are really scared. Cause I get messages all the time that people are scared about coming out about, you know, whatever. Um, don't like, if you're not ready to do it and your body isn't ready and it's going to put you in a really bad situation mentally, don't do it. Like you don't owe anybody anything, but then also be honest, like when you're ready and get those people not to be vegan anymore. Like that's also your job. You know, what's funny is it's so scary. And not really for me because I didn't have a following. I just started eating meat and was like, I don't give a shit. But like someone like for you especially and who had built their whole life for eight years around veganism, it's so, so scary and to tell them and what if I lose all my followers and following. And it's so funny because it's so fearful, right? And then on the other side of that fear, look where your followers are right now. Look what happened now. And it took a while You probably lost, you know, you're probably gaining some and losing some at the same time, I'd imagine, because a lot of vegans will just quit following a page that starts eating raw beef liver, I'm sure. But look what happened over time. It ended up being the right decision overall because you have over double that amount of followers now just speaking your truth and speaking authenticity and speaking about nutrient density and things like that. So it really ended up being that super, super hard struggle. That's always the obstacle right there. And that's always the way to go. Kind of like the Ryan Holiday book, you know, the obstacle is the way. Like when you're super scared about something and you really have to push and push to your into your comfort zone, like all the way to the end. And then when you break through that, it ends up being obviously the right decision and it was the right path. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, and that's why I really resonate with what you say about, you know, reading the labels and being scared and going out to eat and feeling scared, like eating an animal product and feeling scared, you know, it's at the foundation, there's a lot of fear. And now I feel with my foundation, with being nourished and like being able to feel like I can be supported locally if the grocery store is shut down or not that like I think that they're going to, but like, you know, I just, it's a different energy because it's a primal energy and it's who we are. So our body knows and our body connects to that. So yeah, I mean, people coming out of it, you know, it's, I, it's so funny because it was so long ago. So I like, don't even think about like, <laughs> like coming out about it. Cause then I'm totally on the other side. I'm like, fuck, 
I'm eating like raw beef liver on my stories. Like I'm eating oysters. I'm like the other day I was like, went on this Island. It was like whittling the spear to go get fit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. It's just so Yeah. Different. That's amazing that you came full circle and you want to do the hunting. And I think I'll probably get into hunting over the years. I've talked about it a couple of times. I might start with like a shotgun. Cause I know if you're like, trying to bow hunt and you just like shoot an animal and it runs off and you don't kill it. That's like super, that's like, you shouldn't do that. You should be very, very, very good with a bow before you do it. But I might just start out with like shotgun or some form of something just to say I harvested something and then get really start getting some practice with the bow over a couple of years before I try to do anything like that. But I'm definitely in the same boat. I want to try that out over time and get more. I should pick up fishing because I live here in Florida. I can imagine um, I have a couple buddies who fish, so I've thought about maybe just going out with them and trying to learn. I haven't fished since I was like a little kid, but I was like, whatever, you can probably catch some damn good fish here in Florida. I'm always like sketchy about fish, though. I don't eat a lot of, I don't know about the mercury and all the waterways. So I'm always like a little sketchy, but I guess a fish here and there that you harvested yourself, it's, I mean, just from the spiritual aspect and like the primal aspect would feel good. Yeah, I totally, I totally see you hunting. And like, there's so many archery ranges in Florida, so many places to hunt in Florida. Like, uh, you should go hunt some alligator, honestly. <laughs> my, uh, one of my local farms sells alligator in a package and it just looks like it's like diced up and it just looks like white meat. And I always look at it and I go, ah. I've had like fried gator bites living down here like a long time ago when I was... like drink a little bit and have some like fried food every once in a while. No, I never eat that type of stuff, but like, what do I do with this gator tail? Like saute it in butter or do I bake it? Like, what do I do? So I, so I haven't actually just like tried to make it myself yet. Yeah, definitely. There's like, that's the thing about Florida and like hunting in general. It's like, there's so many, uh, there's so many, there's so much to learn. Like the hunting courses that I took, like I, cause in, I got my certification in like Illinois. So it's a lot more strict than a lot of other areas. But, um, with Florida, I mean, you're so, gosh, to get a gun, to get all these different things. I feel like it's a lot easier to go about the process. Um, love Florida. And so, but I know by you and for anyone that's looking into it, like there's so many certifications you can take online and then like start going to your local range. You know, that's what I did. Started going to my local gun range, started like bringing my bow to parks. Um, and I'm learning to do both and it's just such a powerful experience. I think it's so like we were talking about with the rabbit, like it's so important to do it yourself. And then also when people, you know, try to call you out for, you know, being a part of climate change or whatever, we're like, let's not blame our primal roots on that. Like, how are we blaming? And that was also something that made me realize how it's such bullshit. Like I'm trying to blame something we've been forever on like being like bad for the planet. Like, no, 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 no. You are not going to tell me that regenerative agriculture and eating meat is bad for the planet. Okay. Like we're just not, that's not even logical. So I think that that like debate is just completely invalid at this point. It's pretty obvious. And it's like, I have like no tolerance for that debate. Cause I'm like, no, 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 no. Like my family, like we bought an entire cow and it's in our freezer. Um, and it's just, um, like my family, I family in Ohio that got this cow and it's just sitting in the freezer for like the whole family. And it just makes sense. Like that we don't have to go to the grocery store. We don't have to buy all these other products and packaging that ship from all over. Like that's from a local person in Ohio. You know, it's like that 
is the most sustainable thing ever. So for people to come out eating meat, like, yeah, I understand conventional ag for sure, like to a certain extent, but like, let's not, let's not blame food. Let's not. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the data, even on factory farms, as far as like greenhouse gas emissions, even factory farms aren't that crazy high. It's mostly transportation, coal, and what happens is all these people who make a lot of money off of transportation, planes and stuff being shipped, all sorts of other goods. And it's like, you're going to blame food, even in a factory farm setting that's feeding populations. Like, that's the last thing we need to worry about. We need to worry about how to reduce it in some other way, or maybe try to do some white oak pasture style stuff where you're actually at least sequestering some carbon, like these regenerative ag farms. Like, that's how we get it out. That's how we try to at least battle it. Because we're not going to quit flying. We're not going to quit shipping. Clearly, we'll, the whole world will light a fire and we'll all die before we quit fucking flying and shipping at this point. So we have to figure out how to battle it. And cattle are actually a good part of that. I kind of wanted to get into that too. Like, um, why are animals important to a farm and an ecosystem? Because I know you kind of have the permaculture background, but now you've lived and kind of hung out on some of these regenerative style farms or homesteads. Like, So a vegan who doesn't know, like, why are the animals actually important to the whole ecosystem anyways? Gosh, this is also why in Hawaii, like when I was living in like this little tiny house on this sanctuary, like I, it's all, it was all fruit trees, so many, I mean, every fruit tree ever, like it was crazy. And watching these animals go underneath the trees and live in the trees, poop underneath the trees, give it fertilizer, um, then, you know, eat all the ticks and the mosquitoes. Um, and like I said, poop out the fertilizer, put it in the soil, nutrients for the plant, plant grows big, lots of fruit, high yield. Going to properties in Hawaii where this guy had like under two acres and he built this pond, filled it with tilapia. The tilapia poop went into the garden beds, filled the garden beds, um, gave him so many fresh veggies, fed the veggies to the chickens, ate the chicken's eggs, ate the chickens, the poop also from the chickens went into the veggies, then harvesting the tilapia to eat, harvesting, you know, like I said, the chickens to eat, eating some of the veggies and then feeding <clears throat> the veggies to the fish, starting it all over. Like, you know, this biodynamic circle and the rainwater fills up, um, the rainwater catchment he has fills up the pond too. The rainwater catchment feeds his chickens water, like everything. I mean, he's just got a system down. He doesn't need to go to the store. He doesn't. And he really doesn't go to the store. Like he can feed his entire street with an abundance of food. And that's why I get so interested about the conversation about like, people starving, like in general, like food deserts and stuff, because permaculture is so powerful. And the cool thing is, which I'm so excited about, people are just so waking up to this so fast. They're like, wait, no one should be hungry with permaculture. Like it, it's crazy. Like what, I mean, I'm looking outside right now at a huge plot of land that's just grass. I'm like that could all be fruit. Like, you know, HOAs are the worst thing to ever happen because they tell you you can't do certain things. And I mean, I'm not on an HOA, um, but like in general, like when I spend time in Florida, all the HOAs, when everything should be, people take coconuts off the trees in Florida and put them in landfills and then go to the store and buy coconut water. It makes no sense. Like that's psycho, you know, and not to be super like rude, but that is not okay. Like that is literally psycho. Why? How does that make sense? You take coconuts from your backyard and like the landscapers come and throw them out in the landfill that produces methane because they're like decomposing with a bunch of plastic 
And then we're going to blame animals for that. And then we're going to go to the store and get coconut water and, and plastic that's from like Indonesia. Like that doesn't make sense. So it's like all those little things don't make sense. Also, you know, people like veganism, 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 the not like supporting your neighbor down the street that has chickens, but then going to the store and buying just egg, which isn't plastic. And there's like canola oil in that, I think like so many natural flavors, blah, 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 blah. And it's healthier and more sustainable. No, it's not like, no, it's not. So I think that, um, so I get, I get like a little into my masculine when I talk about this stuff, but like, you know, um, I try to always like reel it back in like, okay, but you know, permaculture is the answer in that way because, if everyone, and the cool thing is that people now, like I said, are waking up to this and going knocking on their neighbor's door. Let's say someone lives in an apartment, but their neighbor has a yard. They'll knock on their neighbor's door and be like, hi, I'm your neighbor. Hey, like, let's like reintroduce ourselves to our neighbors again. Oh my gosh. Like everyone's living in these boxes. They're like, you know what? No, I'm going to go to my neighbor, introduce them or introduce myself and be like, you know, I noticed you have a plot of land in your backyard. You don't use it. I was wondering if you would be open to me gardening in your backyard and I would provide you with obviously your free, fresh fruit and veggies and potatoes, whatever you want. Um, but also if I can maybe get some of that for myself, or if I can like harvest some of that and bring it to the local farmer's market, people are creating businesses with that. I know this guy, um, from the off grid bundle and he, um, is making a lot of money every month through a microgreen business. I think he's doing definitely over 5k a month through microgreens. So it's like, it's just, and he's teaching people how to do the same. So yeah, it's just very interesting how, um, when people realize there's so many solutions, how to grow our own food. Um, it's, it's so important to bring things definitely hyper local and also like with our own hands, right? Like that's how you are in the kitchen. You're when you get your local meat or you get your boxes from regenerative ag from around the country, like you are just so in tune with like the pemmican and making it like making everything and utilizing all parts of the animal, the nose to tail, the bone marrow, the bone broth, the the beef liver, the beef heart, beef tongue tacos, you know, utilizing everything. And this is also part of that, like utilizing everything, going to your neighbors. If you don't have land, I met these girls that do homesteading in their apartment. They are growing food inside of an apartment on the third story in Portland. You know, it's so wild how many ways there are to grow food and to make this accessible. Um, but I think that when we come in the victim mentality again, because the, the real, the real, deal is that everyone on this planet is trauma traumatized. We've all gone through certain trauma. So to be in that victim, that victim mentality and like take from the government, take from all these things, it has its time and place, but also it's important to get to a point of like understanding that we can provide this stuff for ourselves too. Like we can, even if you're in a bad apartment, a bad situation, you still can grow mushrooms in your house, lion's mane stuff for extremely cheap like for literally no money and no effort. Like these things don't really require a lot of effort either. You can grow microgreens for extremely cheap, cheap and little effort and you can give nutrients to your family. So even if there is an HOA, even if you don't have a window for sunlight, like let's look at the bright side in those situations and do what we can until we can build to get out because the, to get out of that like trauma state is just so important for like expanding and taking your power back in that way. And when I left veganism, I just felt like I was taking the, my ownership back over my body and like taking my power back. And I know like you felt the same, like, yeah, taking back your sexuality, taking back your manlyhood and like going to work out and feeling good. And now you're getting like jacked and it's like, 
you know, you feel good about it because you know it's like so nourishing and you can do it and your body is allowing you to do it and um, not like, not like you have to go work out and take a nap for like two hours. Cause you're so depleted. It's like, there's just so many ways to be, um, filled with nutrients, not only through food, but also like through community, through like hyper local eating. And I know that was like so many topics <laughs> in like, you know, a couple minutes, but I don't even know where I'm going with that, but it's like, yeah, this just, it's so funny. Like when I go to these earth skills festivals and like all these like permaculture meetups and stuff and oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you to go to the ones by you because they are just life changing. When you realize what permaculture does, it literally is a solution to so many problems. And the fact that it's blowing up makes me so happy because it's not going anywhere. And once people realize how powerful it is, how much food they can grow in like a little box in their backyard or even like a little box in their living room, you can grow so much. And once that is like coming back, because, you know, obviously our ancestors aren't really teaching us that anymore. Like my grandparents never taught me that. Um, but once people take it back and like realize, no, you know, I want to know these things that I wasn't taught by my parents or my grandparents, but my great grandma definitely did have her, you know, the victory gardens and whatnot. Um, you feel it in your DNA. And it's like, that goes into like the Anastasia thing with the seed planting where people like put the seeds under their tongue and plant them with their DNA. Like I actually just met this girl the other day in Florida who, like she cultivated her soil in her backyard for so long, for years. And she sold their house, but in the contract in her house, she said that the soil wasn't included. So she literally took the soil from her backyard and brought it to her new property because soil is so important and her her soil is so rich and nutrient dense. So I'm like, that's hilarious. Like people, once you get in like this permaculture gardening community, you just recognize like, it's like another light bulb in your mind. Like when you have meat again for the first time and like your brain lights up, it's the same thing with permaculture. Everything starts to make sense. And then you look outside and you're like, you know, I'll drive now and be like, wow, like they're talking about people being starving. Meanwhile, everything on the side of the highway, you know, not really next to the highway because like the runoff, but you know, these areas of land that could all be straight up food. Like everything could be so edible, but it's not. That's a big issue too. People I say like, can we feed people off of permaculture and regenerative ag? And I feel like there's just so much untapped land. There's a couple of concepts there. So there's so much untapped land that we're just not utilizing because we just want to go to the grocery store and pick it up. And then also there's so many monocrop places that are just being used to feed cattle and feed other animals that really definitely ruminants should just be eating grass in particular. I think you may need some grains and different things for the uh, monogastric animals like chickens and, uh, you know, pork feeding uh, pigs and stuff like that. So they might require some grains, but also you know, still allowing the chickens to get a lot of their diet from nature, you know, pecking, scratching, insects, things like that. So you're giving them like a mixture and just kind of supplementing with the goats and the other animals with um, with a little bit of grain. But we don't tap into like that could be fruit. If we started feeding just grass to the animals, then we wouldn't need so many monocrops and we could turn that into other food. So there's like ways where it needs to make a shift instead of just like depleting the topsoil and just growing corn and growing grain and all the shit that we spray heavily to where we just basically turn most of it into like feed lot feed which you really don't even need to do that system so i don't know for sure if like everybody could be fed off regenerative that would be an experiment we need to kind of like keep 
inching towards because there's just like mm-hmm. people stacked on top of uh-huh. people in New York and people stacked on top of people in LA. So I don't know if like maybe some of them cities still would require some form of factory farming to just like straight up supply them. But I feel like as we shift, there's like mm-hmm. less land needed for monocrops, more land. There's just so much untapped land. You drive across the country, you just look like there's some farms and then there's just some land where there's just like nothing's growing. So it's like the problem is no one grows food. We just need more people to, who really want to grow food. Totally. It's like, think about like, think about the um, suburb you grew up in, in Flint, right? Imagine if your backyard, even if you don't even have a huge backyard, but like either your front yard or your backyard had an apple tree and then your neighbor had a cherry tree and then the neighbor over had maybe, I don't know what else grows in Flint. I mean, there's like a raspberry bush, blueberry bushes, vineyards, grapes, like if some, and like things that don't require even a lot of maintenance. Like you, you know, you had an apple tree, your neighbor had a different variety of the apple. And then like, you know, cause you need two apples to cross pollinate. So it's like, you know, and then your another neighbor had bees. Like in that five house, like group, you guys would be eaten well, like super well with literally little to no maintenance, you know? So it's like so interesting if every house just had one thing to offer for the community, a little, a little block of 10 houses would be thriving. So it's like, you don't even necessarily need a lot of land. I used to think that we needed so much land, but it's not even like, of course the land is essential, but it's more about like the intelligence of what you do with the land. You know, it's like the systems you create and the, I, you know, the guy I was telling you about in Hawaii, he had less than two acres. People think that you need like acres and acres and acres and acres, which is great. But actually there's a book called, um, like the fourth quarter acre homestead. And it's like growing food on a quarter of an acre and like a lot of food. So it's just really interesting how, you can grow so much even in your own house, your own apartment. And um, even the people in New York, you know, of course, like I see what you're saying about like maybe they still need those things. And yeah, I think it's important not to get like super dogmatic, even how I view this now. But, you know, if they, that's where community comes in too. Like imagine like if community was, and ideally, I don't think this is going to happen necessarily in New York, like with people in apartments, like no one talks to each other in apartments, you know, it's like, but think about a situation where everyone on an apartment floor, like one person was doing the microgreens, one person was doing a, like a vermicompost because you can have vermicompost in the apartments. One person was like growing tomatoes on their windowsill. You know, it's like, that's where community is, but we've just kind of created the system in the world where that's not the norm that's weird that's like too much to do people would rather just like watch netflix so um that's why you know the people that want it right now it's so cool to watch people like really want it and get back to the basics and get in community and buy land and do these things because um it's just it's it's really possible for those who want it and like studying how you know how important it is to be with community. I think without community, it's, it's really hard. So it's just coming back to community. And I love, I love watching what's happening right now with people like getting even like little pieces of land and teaming up with people doing permacultures and all the community gardens that are happening. It's, it's really special. Yeah. That's amazing. And that's super good tips because a lot of people are living in the city and 
what I do feel like there's a shift in these people who want to go more, I don't know if it's off grid or just more rural. I know you're kind of building this off grid community as well. Like, what are you like, uh, what kind of like community are you building there with the off grid stuff? And what is like off grid living? Yeah. So I'm actually like pretty, I was pretty off grid in Hawaii for a bit. I always like always used my phone, always had outlets though. So it's like, I was using solar, using, um, like rainwater catchment, gas, you know, propane. Um, but I still definitely had like my phone on. So when people think like off grid, you know, I still have, like, I can call my mom, you know, it's like, I, sometimes I go out in the woods though for like a week with some people we do off grid stuff and we don't have service. So that's like really in the boonies. Um, but I, and I've met so many people recently, like I have a friend here who he was willingly homeless for three years and just like lived in the woods. And he's like an expert hunter. Like he's, he's so intelligent about foraging medicinals. Like he is awesome. Um, and if anyone interested in him, his name is Spencer two dogs on Instagram. Actually, Matt, you would freaking love him. He's actually a perfect person for you to interview on here. Cause he was on a TV show called like hillbilly something cowboy maybe. And like he, this is like videos of him, like cutting down trees, building cabins, like doing off grid stuff. So he's really, he's like a really like martial arts guy too. and does training for a lot of people. But anyways, yeah, it's just like, that is like the ultimate off grid. But I think that people like when you want to go more off grid, it's really about like, yeah, like learning, like not relying on like different parts of systems for water and maybe utilizing different types of energy, candle making instead of relying on um, electric. And um, also, you know, I plan on building like a little cabin in the next few years. Um, I'm actually looking at land right now and like just assessing different circumstances, but yeah, I'm definitely still like going to have outlets in my house, but like using solar and using different types of energy. And that's where the whole permaculture stuff comes in really cool. Cause you can with, um, there's something called biochar with permaculture, which actually in compost too, like you can actually produce heat with compost and that can produce electricity for a house through composting. Um, without solar, without like all these different systems, which is awesome. So, um, the Texa, and I'm also like really passionate as you are with biohacking and stuff. Like this whole time, like I have like my biohacking tech on, you know, so I, I have my red light right here. I have all these different things. So I, I'll never be like completely off grid where like no one will hear from me, I think, but like, I'm more so passionate about people, um, like getting, like just getting out of the systems in a little way they can, you know, like maybe starting by getting rid of the TV. Um, that was something I did seven years ago that was really powerful for like my mental health. And I definitely still do like watch things on, um, on the laptop. It's so funny. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. What would you do? No. Have you ever seen that show? Oh my gosh. Uh, you have to watch it. It's like, it's such a funny show of like, Anyways, it's just, there's like little things that I do that are still like so tapped into the matrix, but I think it's just all about, yeah, learning to grow your own food, learning to can, learning to ferment, learning how to make your own sourdough, getting to know your local 
farmer and maybe doing a trade like, oh my gosh, will you trade me some of this cow for like all these microgreens I have or all these raspberries that I grew this summer, like doing barter and trade without money. That's like something really powerful that I do with a lot of people. I'm like always trading um, trade blankets at the festivals I go to. People are trading like huge, like this one guy traded this huge like caribou um, blanket that was so cozy. And then this other guy traded it for like this amazing knife that was like handmade and like whittled on the, and the edges were dyed with like chestnut, you know? Um, so it's so cool getting into these communities that even though they're like some of the people that I know are like living off grid in the woods, but then they like go and have a job like within a system, you know? So there's so many ways to make it work. And it's not that someone needs to completely tap out to be, um, off grid, but just getting more off grid in every, in every way of your life. And I feel like I'm constantly trying to do that and like watching how other people do it too, because I definitely am like, I'm really, I think I have a platform, which is great to spread the word, but like, I am definitely like learning so much. So I just try to take in all the information I learn and like share it as I can. Um, and also something too, it's like, you know, um, I have my comb over there and I was going to buy a comb the other day of like of neem, this neem comb, which is super like neem, so sustainable. I love neem grows all over Florida. Um, but then I was like, wait, I'm just gonna like, I went to this festival, this off grid festival. And I was like, wait, I'm just going to make my own. So I went to a workshop and I made my own. And I'm like, wait, how many things do we buy that we can just literally do? Like, yeah, it took me, it took me three hours to do, but like, if I'm at my house now and I don't have a TV, like, why wouldn't I just whittle, (laughs) you know, like, why would I just dump, like fill my brain with some bullshit on Netflix, you know? So I, that's kind of how I view a view things now. Um, like I, I just really want to be more intentional about like my time and my energy, but also like, again, I'm still tapped in, still on Instagram, still on Facebook. Like it's such a balance, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you kind of brought that up because when you say off grid living, I feel like people picture like me out there with a giant beard and um, uh, a leather thing on my head, like hunting and you can't get a hold of me and I, I'm building <laughs> fires by hand. And I feel like you could definitely just get to a more rural rural area. You could even maybe be like 45 minutes or an hour outside of a big city. So you can kind of like, I feel like Ben Greenfield's like that. Like you see him and it looks like he's just in this place in the middle of nowhere, but if I'm not mistaken, he can get to Spokane in like 35, 40 minutes, but then he has like all this goats and stuff he's like growing and, you know, you don't have to be out in the middle of nowhere with no connection, especially if you uh, have like a social media following or we want to do podcasts, like there's ways to go out there, but then still be kind of tapped in a little bit. So you're kind of just having that good balance of like nature, more, more primal activity, community that you guys are all kind of like either growing food, working together, but then also like you go, you do a podcast once a week or you, you make social media posts about it. So it's like, you can still help spread the awareness through technology. And I love technology, but also like kind of get back to more, some of these roots and, that's where I see myself over the years. I know we live in the city right now, but we've had lots of talks about um, getting outside of the system or outside of the city somehow, some way, but maybe being within 45 minutes to an hour. So if you want to come into the city for a couple of days and, you know, just stay there and hang out, go to a concert, do whatever, you know, you're still kind of like within a good distance where you can like hang out yeah. and do some social stuff as well. Yeah, no, that's why I admire what you and Cole are doing with like all of your retreats that are in like these beautiful places, integrated in nature, because you're showing people 
Like how, you know, they're, you're giving them that experience of something that they might not even understand that they miss and that they want. So it's like, you know, I think we're all just recognizing that, you know, this we're all just in a place right now of recognizing systems that we're in that no longer serve and like no longer feel good. And then just making goals to get to a place that's more in alignment, but then also realizing, yeah, you don't have to be like in the middle of nowhere with no cell service, not talking to your family. Like it is such a balance and, you know, everyone has different personalities too. So it's like some people love of being in the middle of the mountains with no one around. But then some people, like for me, like I crave, I like live for talking to the cash register, like woman, <laughs> you know, it's like, I love interaction, talking to random people throughout my day. And that I just, it's like my personality type. So it's like, I it probably wouldn't be the best fit for me to like not be around people because I'm not so like introverted. But yeah, it's it's a perfect thing for introverts, honestly, <laughs> too. Like living off grid is like the I I follow a lot of like men on Instagram that do bushcraft and around the woods by them. So like they literally go out there with a backpack and they do everything themselves. They hunt, they forage, they build their own shelters. Um there's this one account I follow, Wargay Bushcraft. I don't know what country he's in, but he literally, yeah, goes out there with like, you know, his big bag and um, just hunts and builds his own shelter and fires out of, you know, stone and um, flint and, or lint. <laughs> I said flint, lint. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it, you have to be knowledgeable about this stuff though, you know, like he has, he's a really knowledgeable guy. So that's why an important, it's important to go to these meetups and these festivals and meet people that, Hey, you know, like what if you meet someone they're like, Hey, like I'm interested in starting a podcast. You're like, sweet. Like I'll maybe teach you the ropes and show you, train you how to do it online. If you teach me how to build a fire and maybe take me hunting with you sometime. And they're like, yeah, you know, it's like trading in that way. It's amazing too. Yeah, for sure. That was actually one of my next questions. You kind of almost touched on it. How do people find these types of like meetup groups and what kind of skills should they learn before they try to just move out in the middle of nowhere or like where does a person with no idea start yeah so i like the ones that i go to are actually the cool thing is they're pretty private so they're usually like mostly word of mouth and i love that they do that because it, cause you think about people like me that have like a community and then I post about it. And then all of a sudden all these people are coming, like they have already like a, a space of integrity of like ancestor or like elders. And, um, they have such a strong community. So they are like very private about it in a way. So people aren't just like flooding it. And like, there's a certain dynamic and container, right? So that's what I respect how it's all word of mouth. So I tell people like word of mouth, but I don't necessarily post like everyone come to this one, you know? So I always encourage people to like, get to know their local farmers, get to know your people in your permaculture community. You can even go online and Google like permaculture convergence, earth skills festival, earth skills convergence. Cause there's so many happening all over. There's so many in Florida so many in Illinois. There's so many in like Colorado and Montana and California. Um, I'm finding so many different events like bee festivals and like fermenting and herbalism festivals. And um, there's even like, yeah, go to your farmer's market, start talking to people, start talking and asking your local farmer, hey, like, do you ever do workshops of like how to butcher an animal or like how to raise an animal or like do you have any days like I went up to my farmer back, um, when I was living in the farm area, um, in the Midwest and 
I was like, hey, like, do you have any days where we can like just learn from you? And he does tours every Saturday, every single Saturday. And I would never would have known that, you know? So it people have, you know, if you want it, like speaking to your community that's watching, like if you want it, like you have to go seek it out and go talk to people in your community and become friends with them. And like, yeah, that's how I became friends with some people in my community, going to the farmer's market, going to the house for dinner with like a pig that they brought from the farm they work at. And then, you know, learning that they hunt and then being like, oh, can I learn from you? And it's like just getting back and getting back and talking in community, you know, I, and then all of a sudden, like I heard about one festival and then I went to that one and then people there were talking about two different ones. So I went to those and it's like, you know, you have to just direct immerse yourself but to find out about it like start just finding like-minded community get in telegram groups with people that are like doing off-grid get you know in touch with people on facebook and like the gardening groups and there's so many groups online but i just always encourage people to go like the physical route in person too and like go in person and learn in person yeah absolutely so i'm gonna look up the earth skills and see if i'm sure there's got to be something around here i tried to find a couple like foraging groups on Facebook, but it didn't seem like I had any luck. I kind of posted in a couple of them. Didn't seem like anyone was doing it around the Tampa area or anywhere close, but there's got to be something. I just have to search a little bit more. Yeah. I, I mean, I know I'm in the city, but there's... I'll connect yeah, you Yeah, I'm like, people. there's got to be a way. Like, there's, I know we grow a lot of mushrooms because we're super humid and wet. There's got to be some form of like mushrooms and forage. Just like got to get outside of the city a little bit, but I didn't have any luck in there, but I look up some earth skills and do some stuff like that. Um, are you guys like trying to build yeah. a community or like you said, you're looking for land or you got like a group of people who are trying to buy like plots next to each other and like, yeah. you guys, like everyone's going to be raising food yeah. somehow. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I know we wanted to get in the conversation of like financial freedom and like making money, not at a nine to five. And, you know, all of us are really, I have like certain people um, that I've gotten to know over the years that I've just been like, whoa, like I, we all have a, a very similar vision. And a lot of them like right now are living in RVs or nomads and um, really just like raising their finances to abundance so we can all do it. And like, yeah, we're in a place where it's like, yeah, starting to look around, like, where's the best place? Like we've all been on a quest to like find the best place. We want to do it. And not, I would never um, personally live in a community where I'm like sharing a house with people. It would always, it would be like, you know, each of us have like an acre and like we have our house and our privacy. Cause I do love privacy. Um, but I also love community. And that's the thing too. People think that, oh, like to do this, you have to be like an eco village and not have space. Like, no, it can, you want, I like, I've lived in eco villages and it's hard like to be with people all the time that close, like it's challenging. And, um, I think in a beautiful way to make this work with success is like have like communal areas on the property, like a birthing place, a community kitchen, maybe like a stage for like, you know, some fun, like musical art stuff and creative start stuff, like an art studio. And then, you know, having individual houses. And also it's really cool because, you know, being around like, I, my boyfriend, like he, he knows how to renovate, knows how to build, knows how to do everything himself. So it's like, and then I, you know, my friend that's going to join, like is really good with herbalism and knows to forage and make tinctures and stuff. And I'm in that realm too. And, um, and there's someone that knows about chicken. So like everyone bringing a different talent to the tables so we can all mesh similar to what I talked about with like, if your community growing up in Flint, each had like a, a different 
tree for fruit. You know, we're all bringing something different to the table to build the community because we can't, we can't do this by ourselves. I mean, we can't, it's just, I don't want to actually, like, I don't, it, it's just so much, like, it's so much more fun building the experience with people and like having that support and, um, having people that are like-minded too, that, you know, are really for like, you know, raising kids a certain way, breastfeeding, like nature school. Um, it's, it's such powerful stuff to have community. So yeah, I think a lot of people all over are like starting this new journey of like finding land and like getting with community. And I have a lot of friends in Florida that are doing it in like the Naples area, which is really cool. They're doing like little co-ops and homeschooling and like milk shares and a lot of milk shares happening, um, for raw milk, which is awesome. And I know you're part of some of those too. So, um, yeah, it's like, I just think that, I just think that where this is going is just a return. And I I expressed this on my page the other day, like how I think I used to be like, ah, we have to fight the system, blah, blah, blah. And like for a man, like, I mean, when I say that it feels really masculine and for, I think that's more in my, like for how it feels for me, I feel like that's more of like a man's job. And for me, it's like, as the feminine is like, you know, the return to like living, we're just like returning to how we are supposed to live, you know, and how we are supposed to be so in tune. So instead of like, I used to always post about, yeah, we need to fight the system, like get a water filter. Cause this is all in there and blah, blah, blah. They can't take that from you. God, clean water is your birthright, which is all true. But I'm kind of just transitioning back to like this energy of being like, you know, um, we're just trying to return to our right and how we're supposed to be in tune and like connected to God and connected to our bodies and others. So yeah, like trying to be clean in our life and like a clean vessel. So yeah, I know that was a kind of unrelated, but just like, I think that we can get so caught up in what's going on in the world and what's wrong. And me definitely, I'm so guilty of this. So I'm really trying to focus on solutions and there's so many solutions and positive things going on right now where it's like, yeah, it's just about it's just about returning really. Like we're going back to ancestral ways. And I know like ancestral and primal is such like a hot word right now, which makes me so happy because that's what everyone's craving. Like going back to the primal diet, like why are we doing that? Because it feels good. Like it feels true. It feels right. And then, you know, that encourages people to go to their local farms and get it fresh. Cause then they realize, you know, Oh, I don't want it from certain places. I want to actually talk to my farmer and see what, what, you know, they're giving the animals and stuff. And then they're like, wait, actually like maybe I, you know, I have my nine to five, but maybe I'm going to quit my job and maybe just raise a couple of chickens in my backyard or, um, maybe think about selling eggs and keep my nine to five. And then all of a sudden they're gardening in their backyard now and having chickens. They're like, wait, I could actually do this full time. So they quit their job. So it's like these little like milestones that are happening. And I've witnessed this with so many people, like literally when I was doing the off grid bundle with like, there's thousands, I don't know, hundreds, maybe thousands of people like doing it, like talking to people that have quit their jobs to pursue homesteading and microgreens and sewing little things and for on selling them on Etsy. Like so many people are quitting their nine to five jobs that they just don't like. And it's one thing if you like your nine to five, you know, but it's another if you feel like your soul is being like extracted from your body every day, you know? So I think there's so many different ways. And I know that's like a passion of um, mine and yours of like telling people about different ways, you know, get out of the system and like have like their job 
collaborate with their passion, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We've been talking with another couple that we're really close with about in the coming years. They're thinking about buying an RV next year and just putting all their stuff in storage and just driving around because they can work from home. And they she, she talks about buying us a plot of land with a retreat center and stuff all the time. So maybe, maybe keep me in the loop. Maybe we'll have a, a plot next to yours or something and we'll figure something out because oh my gosh, you have an idea on like, yeah, uh, like, I was at- like region, what state or where are you guys looking at? Uh, you know, that, that is like literally. So the thing is we're like ready to go and like grab land. It's just, we don't know where yet. And that's why I'm so nomadic right now. Just kind of going around talking to people, asking about certain like laws in certain States. And, um, I definitely do want to stay in the United States. Um, I love Florida and I love good old Ron. So I don't know, like it, I don't know, Matt, I, I really do feel a resonance to Florida and I feel a resonance to, um, Hawaii, but you know, Hawaii is an Island. So I just like for where I'm at in my life right now, I don't think that's like logical. Um, because I do plan on like having a child over the next few years. So, um, I want to be by family and, um, yeah, it's it, I think a lot of people tend to go towards like, um, for homesteading and stuff like California, which I definitely don't want to go there. But um, like, you know, I heard like Washington, Portland, the Carolinas, Montana. Um, yeah, I just, it really actually for me, it's more about what places like align with my values at this point. I know it's tough after the past couple of years. We won't dive into that whole situation. But California is definitely a red flag for no. me. It won't <laughs> be there. But we've talked like you know, White Oak Pastures does a good job in Georgia. The climate's pretty good there or like the Carolinas. I think I kind of envision us like somewhere a little bit like not up in a mountain, but like near mountains, more mountainous. Florida's kind of a little too hot sometimes and a little wet. But I mean, the job can get done in Florida for sure. There's no question. And we've kind of been building yeah. like a team around here. So that that may end up being an option because we just because as you grow your community, like in-person community here, it's like, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't move too far. But we've also like are down because we're trying to go more online with everything anyways. And then wherever we end up getting land, we'll just have to pop up a little like small retreat center because you don't need much. We're only doing retreats with like 10, 11 people. You don't need some giant retreat facility. We just keep them small and intimate. And that's kind of the best way anyway. So keep us in the loop. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll have a plot down yeah. the street. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I already actually have, a, I'll, I'll, I have some ideas. That okay, cool. About, we'll so. talk about that later. But there is like, especially going if you're going the retreat route, like it's gosh, that's and the, God, that's the beautiful part. You're the you're literally the perfect example for this. Like finding and you liked your old jobs and you have such an outgoing personality, but now diving into what you're doing now, it's it's amazing. And like you're and you're doing exactly what you want to do and everything you went through with Lyme and like chronic illness and healing from that and like taking time off for yourself to like gather information and knowledge and you know, all the rabbit holes that you and I go down. And I love that I could talk to you and Cole about all these things. Cause you're so knowledgeable. And now that you can bring that to people, like this is what's going to change the world. And like, we need people like you to like have centers, you know, like, and be doing these things. So it's so cool to watch everyone just dive 
full force into like, yeah, like going online or going online in a way to be more present in person and do these. 100%. Things, you know? I mean, you can just reach a dramatic amount of people with these podcasts or with reels or whatever. And I've made some of my most favorite connections by literally just DMing random people like not not even like, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? But just like replying to their stories and like they can tell that I'm knowledgeable about things. And it's like, why would I ever give that up and say, oh, I'm never going to get on social media? Like I've curated my feed to be people that give me information, who align with me. I barely even have any friends and family on there. Like I just have people that I want to connect with and people that I want to learn from. And so if I am scrolling, I'm usually reading some health posts or something like some deep dive on something. It's not usually just gibberish or someone posting pictures of their kid. Like it's not that. Like I've curated my feed in a way. And so yeah. that, that's powerful. And that's how I've connected with so many people. So I'm not ever going to give that up or give up the podcast. Hopefully, again, hopefully I stay healthy enough to keep this this round going. And I got some good guests coming on. And I guess since we're touching on the social media topic, um, I could, that was like one of the questions we're going to kind of end off on some like financial freedom type stuff, change gears on like, you know, people see you just in the woods making flutes and um, picking herbs. And they're probably wondering like, how, like, how do you make money to travel around and to do things and to do all the stuff that you do? Yeah. Like this story for me is so funny and I'm not going to really get too deep into it, but you know, basically I gave my life to, like, I, I grew up doing like juice bars, like the classic dollar per hour, you know, and I loved it too. I learned so much, got a lot of free juice, um, and learned a lot, met a lot of people, loved being like a barista kind of in that way. And then went to school and started cultivating, um, like an Instagram following in college, just, I mean, nothing big. Um, but you know, just talking about sustainability and, um, and holistic living and like hacks and stuff like that, foraging. And, um, then I got, um, I became, I got involved with like a plant-based business and really put my energy into that. And I'm not going to get too deep into that, but basically left with nothing um, after a lot of like financial promises. And um, it really, it really showed me um, that I need to be responsible for not relying on other people um, in a way. And basically I, a couple, this was even like just two years ago, I left that company and I left with I think I had like $2,000 like in my bank account, like after four years of like such hard work, I left with nothing. And, um, I realized that I never want to be in that position again. And, um, I started and I'm very like, I've, for people that are interested, like on my page, I've spoken about it. And I talked about how, like I, the story that happened of just like, working, um, on promises. And a lot of people can resonate with this of like, you know, with your employer, like, Oh, stick around for a certain amount of years and you'll get a $2 raise or stick around and just put all your energy in and you'll grow with us. And I'll promise you this check. And that's kind of what I was working on naively. And then I realized like after leaving that I just never want to be in that position again. And it kind of like catapulted me in this whole financial freedom world of like, just realizing that I don't need to be in situations like that. And people don't need to work um, nine to fives necessarily in order to go with their passions and do things that are in alignment. 
basically I, um, I started just looking up online, like different ways to make money. And one of them was affiliate work. And I've been doing affiliate work for a long time. And I think affiliate work is great because you don't need a big following for it. Like you, people, um, makes a lot of money with like under 300,000 or excuse me, 300 followers. So I started diving into that and I've been affiliate for products for, um, years and it's kind of same thing, like not like really supporting these companies and promoting their mission and putting all this energy and still getting like a good amount, but not as much as I deserved for my work. So that directed me to network affiliate marketing, which is what I'm in now. And that's amazing because I used to always judge MLMs, always used to be like, bleh, it's so cringy. And now that I actually looked into like ethical MLMs and how they can give you so much abundance with like a product that you love. So for example, I have like my Helion right now, biohacking device. I love it, would be promoting it anyways. Um, and they just happen to be network affiliate marketing. So it's like, I use this thing. So why wouldn't I want to spread the word and then be, have that energy reciprocated with a company that is in alignment with me and wants to help support me for what I'm doing for them. So that really shifted the way I view money and the way that I viewed like, you know, I think that we're, when we have those experiences of really being, um, like we were talking about earlier with trauma, like kind of traumatized financially is so big because then you, you're like, what do I do? Where do I go? Find your flight. I actually ended up moving back with my parents for a year. And I was like humiliated, honestly. I was like, I can't believe I have to do this right now. And, um, it, it just, after like all the work I had put out with like businesses and stuff to have it crumble, I just being with my parents, I was like, man, really? Um, but I just used that experience to really go hard and be, learn about investing, learning about all these different ways to make money. And now I've created like an automated um, situation for myself in a way where I'm okay, no matter what. And I can speak freely. I can feel good. I can show up. That's the beautiful part about network affiliate marketing. You're like working with your community and like-minded people. So yesterday, like I had a meeting with one of my friends and you know, I can show up in any way I want. I can show up with a face mask. I can show up like I don't know, like making a raw milk smoothie chat with her, you know, it's not, that's, it's such a feminine way for me. And like a, it just feels so good. Similar how you probably feel with retreats. Like it's, it's like you're getting compensated, but you are, you're in service, you know? So when you do these like affiliate um, network affiliate marketing with companies that are in alignment with your values and you know, it feels good in your heart. It's done amazing things for you. And now you want to spread that like, yeah, you deserve equal reciprocation of energy. So I just view it as like this totally different energetic exchange. Um, and it's put me in a place where now like I can look at RVs, I can do all these things. I can look at land and, um, I, it, it, I just, I cannot believe it sometimes. Well, I guess I shouldn't, I should really like word that. Like I can believe it cause I've looked into it, but looking at it where I was two years ago, like living with my parents and sitting with my dad and being like, Oh my gosh, like I feel so stupid right now. And like, it's just shifting to where I'm at now through affiliate work. And I just think it's so cool how, like I said, people with like 300 followers are building 
income for themselves, that's astronomical. And they don't teach us about, like, I went to college, I have a degree. Like, um, luckily, like I got scholarships and had an amazing situation with that, but that's not everyone's case. A lot of my friends are in hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. Like usually they're in like 60 grand or more of debt. And I think that, you know, some people, when they do this dollar per hour model, they're like never ever going to get out of debt. Like you need something else. So it's like to find stuff that is like in this realm of affiliate marketing, um, it has been really mind blowing for me. And like, I see so many people coming out of debt. Um, for example, this is like the perfect example. There's a woman that I work with, with Healy and like, she's an acupuncturist and went to school and she's, I believe in 260, $266,000 worth of debt from acupuncture school. She would literally never get out of debt if she worked the dollar per hour model, because you can only take a certain amount of clients like you can't, you only have a certain amount of hours a day. You can do acupuncture. It's an in-person activity. So she joined Healy because it's like, she need like, she needs that. Like you can't, you, she'll never, that's, you know, you see all these teachers like in schools and stuff, bartending on the weekends. Like they're giving all this energy to kids, but then they still need to bartend to make, to make their bills, you know, like make it work every month. And so I think this is such like a really great opportunity to help people, um, to help people realize that they don't need to be slaving away if they don't want to. And it's one thing if you love your nine to five and like, I totally respect people that love that structure, that schedule, that feels good. But I know a lot of women specifically like with our cycles, like our circadian rhythm and freudian rhythm, like, you know, when we're on our periods, we don't want to be doing these things. Like it doesn't feel good. And it feels like fighting against our bodies. So to work now in a way where I can like go with my cycle and my body, it, it feels so different. So I just think the whole working online thing right now is really powerful and helping a lot of people realize that, you know, maybe they can work online a bit and then tend to their backyard and then have all this time for like, you know, these crafts or wood shop or whatever, and then sell those things on Etsy. And then all of a sudden those things take off and all for, you know, what they're not working their nine to five. Like it's, there's just so many different avenues to take right now. And I think a lot of people are realizing that, which is cool. 100%. It's so funny that I didn't even expect you to get into like the network affiliate marketing. Cause I'm literally, as you know, just joined in one as well. And I actually invested quite a bit of money in it because I believe in the product and I've seen the results and I haven't really mentioned that that much about it. I got like six or seven people signed up, but um, because we still haven't received the product, but the testimonials and the science is solid and sound. And I can't wait for you to try that out. And I think that you're going to enjoy it. So that'll be like another avenue. So you have two different network affiliate markings and hopefully we do well in that. And I think it's going to be a super, super powerful supplement. So that's so funny that you got into that and, kind of diving into the same thing and not even just the network of affiliate marketing stuff. Like I think it was like three or four weeks ago, I got like a check for like 400 bucks from recommending my sauna. Like I was like almost 400 bucks. I sold like three saunas. Like don't even really, only one person that I personally know bought a sauna. So it was just like me posting, maybe the company reposting me or whatever happened there. But like I sold two other saunas to someone that I don't even know just by making a reel or making a story, tagging them. And I only have 1200 followers. So I mean, the potential is there and I don't even do it enough because I just been kind of busy doing all my health stuff and getting my health back and doing everything. But that's like what I'm definitely going to be focusing on moving forward so that I can kind of be just more online presence and do more of the stuff that I love with the retreats and everything. So it's super funny that you got into that. Yeah, Yeah, you deserve it. You deserve it because like you're doing all of these things 
for free. So it's like that reciprocation of energy that <clears throat> perpetuates that, you know, and it just, that's what I'm noticing too. It's like the, the, I also used to have such a bad relationship with money. Like I grew up in mom, if you watch this, I love you. But like my mom is, you know, she's always been teaching us, you need to save, you need to get insurance, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I always like, grew up like thinking I was always going to be in lack and I was always going to be scared of money. So I really had to shift my perspective of money and be like, no, I'm open to receiving. And, um, as soon as I did that, like I had so much like, opportunity come to me. Like I, it was just amazing how, um, these opportunities just came as soon as I like let go of the situations of like what happened to me financially and like losing essentially hundreds of thousands of dollars and then being like, okay, I'm moving on. And then as soon as I changed my dynamic of like not being in fight or flight about money, but like energetically like praying and being like, okay, like I'm open to receiving. And then I had literally an opportunity that changed my life like weeks later. And I was like, what is going on? So I think that, you know, it's just like there with people that just, I th- again, you're the perfect example of this. Like, you know, I thought you have a thousand 500 people or whatever it is, almost 2000, like that's still a lot of people. That is like a small college, you know, that is, that's, and those people are there for you. Like they want, they know you, you have relationships with them. Like imagine if every single person and you're following, like supported you through affiliate links because of all of the stuff that you're doing for everyone for free, you know, that is your income for the year, basically in so many different ways. So I think that, you know, if you're listening to this and you think that you can't do affiliate marketing, like you totally can, we see it all the time. We are both examples of this. And it's like, you know, there's people. And the beautiful thing is like, you don't even need to do it on social media. Like with everything that you're going to be doing Matt. like a lot of it's going to be like meeting people at the health food store and talking to friends, like just going about your everyday life and you, we all talk about products we love anyways. Like I talk about like when I'm wearing like organic clothes, I always give people the websites and stuff. Cause I genuinely love it and believe in like the people that are hand making things. So like, why wouldn't we do this in other avenues of our life and be, have that reciprocation of money? I think it's genius. It's literally genius. And I think that's why they don't want people like to be into network affiliate marketing. That's why they've kind of made it all like, Oh, it's all a scheme. And I feel like one of my biggest passions right now is like talking about why it's not a scheme and like why it really puts a lot of resources in people's hands to free themselves in a lot of ways. Yeah. I had opened my eyes to it. I knew nothing about network marketing. Honestly, I knew I had affiliate codes, which I just were like brands that I like. You share your code, you get a percentage and, and the people get a discount, kind of like a win-win situation situation for everybody, right? Like people buying an expensive sauna, they get 10% off and then you get the percentage on the back end. So it was like, it's like win-win for everybody because they're saving a hundred and something dollars and you're making some money on the back end. So it's like, it's a great way to make some money if it's already a product that you use and it's easy. But then the network marketing part, I was like, I got, only reason I even looked into it was because the person who, um, who contacted me, I highly, highly respect, right? Kind of like when you were like, all right, I'll look into it because I recommended it to you, right? So that's how this guy is to me. Like, I'm yeah. like, I don't even know why he like, he wouldn't even put his name on something that's ridiculous, right? Like he's got a huge following. He does oh, great. Man. He doesn't need to put his name on anything that's stupid just to like make a couple bucks. Like this must be legit. He's super science-based. He's got like a master's in like exercise science or PhD or whatever. He's got some good credentials, 
worked with a lot of high high athletes and NCAA teams. Like he's he need no reason for him to put his name on something that's like not going to be legit. And he's been going kind of full force. So he kind of amped me up. So I started getting into all of it and you know listening to Jim Rohn and other people. And I'm like, man, maybe this is actually legit. Then you look at the actual business model of like how like. Okay, you can recommend it. If you even get like a decent amount of people signed up under you, then like it can just spread from the people who sign up under them. Like then like at a certain point, you might not even be like adding people on. Just the people you've added are adding people. And I was like, well, this is actually genius. But all the products that I've ever seen, I just actually don't care about. Like, you know, some stuff like not the knock Arbonne. People say it's clean or whatever, but it's like I have a very, very rigid type of like supplement or like product that I put in my body. So I'm not like going to nothing against Arbonne. It's got to be a lot healthier than what people are just going to McDonald's or whatever, but it's not a supplement that I'm going to take and put it every day in my body or use their products. So I just have like a different standard. So I just had to find like the right company that would meet my standard. And I think I finally got that. And I think all of the um, products that they're going to put out, they're only going to focus on this one for now, but then they're going to start putting out other clean products down the line so then there will be like multiple other products that people are going to be buying like every month or every couple months or however how often they're using them so i'm excited to try that out and get into that different the revenue stream and um, promote it on the podcast and other things like that yeah and you know it's like I, I trust you so much. So when you reached out to me about it, I was like the same thing, like how you looked up to that guy, I look up to you in that way. So we we are so similar with so many things that we do and the rabbit holes we go down. So it's like, I was, it's almost like that's how I joined Healy. Cause it's like, I, I saw this woman talk about it that I was just like, you just, your body knows. And it's like this point in life, like being around like-minded people and all the people you've introduced me to, um, the people I see you reposting, like that are part of like the company that you join. Like I, I really resonate with everything that they say. I love how like-minded they are. And it's like that, if you didn't like the community is such a big aspect of it. Like you telling me about the meetups that are happening. Like, you know, I am going to go to the meetups cause I know I want to meet some of these people like, and I know that we're all on the same page and it's so important. like the whole theme of this really has come down to a lot of community, you know, like being with community and being with like-minded people and like building these new systems, um, and giving, providing freedom for ourselves in that way. So I think community and community is the biggest thing. And I mean, it wouldn't be possible without integrity of like the products or devices, whatever. So it all comes down to community and integrity and truth. And if all those things are in alignment, then model is genius. But I hear you on like, yeah, the Arbonne's and like the Shakeology with like the natural flavor, like all the stuff that they add in, like, you know, it's, it just doesn't make sense. But if your favorite device has this structure, yeah. Why wouldn't you get paid forever from it? Like, yeah. Totally. Yeah, I think 100%. And just like, like I said, clean supplement. I, the people who did the scientific study are super, super well respected. I read through all of the science. I I almost finished the whole book on leptin and been diving into the actual, like what it actually does and why it's so important. And I knew a little bit about leptin, but now it's like my mind's like blown. Like it's like one of the master hormones, literally. And like everyone's got leptin resistance. So I'm going to try to get some of, um, the top people on maybe and kind of deep dive on leptin and really get into it over time. But I want to wait until everyone tries the product for a few months. And then, then, then once the, um, 
once the results come from in like two or three months, it's going to be an easy sell for sure. And so I'm excited for that. And it should be, it's been a long shipping. They've sold like way too, they sold way more than they thought they were going to in pre-sale. So like we were supposed to have this product like a month ago, but I get it. They're brand new and they had to bump the order up like three times. So I'm patiently checking my email for some shipping. I'm like, come on. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's the beauty of being involved in a startup though. You know, like it's, it's an awesome, you know, it's an awesome situation to be in. Yeah. Especially sure. with network marketing. Like I didn't know much about it, but like uh, Danny explained it to me, like he's gotten right under him kind of like a couple people down. So like being in there in that pre-launch makes a lot of sense as well. And I'm still trying to understand that whole binary tree model and all of that. It's like a whole shift in like how I normally have like worked, but I think it'll work out in the end. I think we can uh, definitely get some products going. And it's like, like you said, why not make some money off something you would already probably promote anyways? Totally. And like, I, this is something I always talk about too. It's like, can you, like what happens when we like society puts money back into artists' hands and retreat leaders' hands and farmers' hands, organic farmers, regenerative farmers, like homesteaders, biohackers, like when those people are well-resourced homes, moms, stay-at-home moms. It's like when all those people are resourced, like imagine how different the world is going to be, you know, like, can you imagine what that's going to look like now? That's the beautiful part about the, you know, the programs you and I are a part of. It's like-minded people that see a really big vision of where this world can go from here. And when everyone like that is well-resourced, it's going to be really powerful. Yeah. A lot of change. Because we need money. Like money, like it's not, it's never been, money is just an exchange. It's like, it, and I think that part of like the, the, um, they want, they don't want people to think that money is good. Like the whole money is evil thing. Like when I was a hippie, like, oh my gosh, money is evil. I don't want it. I want to be minimal living off like a tiny house. Like have nothing valuable. Like I see the value and simplicity. Like I love that, but also like being well resourced in the way if something happens, like I'm okay. You know, if I need to go to a holistic dentist, I have that, like I'm good. You know, I don't have to sacrifice my values in ways I don't want to. So I think that's, the beautiful part about like the well resource is really making the decisions that are based on like sovereignty, you know, 100%. When it, that's the conflict. I feel a lot of people who are actually good people, like the spiritual communities or people, even like people of God, and the vegans, and even like a lot of the carnivore people are really nice people. They have like these blockages with money, which I've never really understood because I've always liked to make money, but I get it. Like my wife's worked through it a lot, like these money blockages, right? Like you don't feel like you should charge what you're worth or get compensated for something or try something that will make a bunch of money. And it is risky. So I see where some people like to just kind of be a little bit more secure and comfortable and they're fine with what they're doing. But there's just so many different options and I've tried so many different things in my life. I'm like, one day one of them is going to work really well because I've tried, because I've tried like a hundred of them. But one day all of that little, like, you know, all those little things I invested in or tried and made some money off of, but didn't do like as good as I thought it was going to do. Like one day in my little mind, will pick up on something that's, that'll be prosperous. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. It's like, and again, it's, I love how, you know, our traumas turn into like our biggest passions and like, 
your chronic illness was now, well, I actually, I don't want to word it like that, but like, you know, your severe illness that you had for years and like your recovery and like how you're becoming so healthy and vibrant and now like infusing this into your work and stuff. I mean, yeah, you deserve to be compensated for that. Like you took so much time and your time is energy. And it's, yeah, when we see that we're deserving of financials, it's amazing how energetically it just comes so differently. Like, and it it makes sense because you no longer tolerate being treated a certain way. You no longer tolerate being in certain situations kind of, yeah. I mean, that's been the theme of, you know, our conversation for the past 20 minutes. It's like, it's just stepping out of lack and fear and like not being worthy and then stepping into, no, I'm worthy. I deserve to be well-resourced and I'm going to get that because that's, you know, I want to live a life of sovereignty. Absolutely. That's amazing. I think we should uh, wrap it up on that. I want to ask one final question here for you. And I'm going to start asking all my guests this because they're all kind of do weird shit like me. And it's, What's something like wacky or crazy that you've been researching lately that you feel like is not accepted, but maybe in five to 10 years, it'll be super accepted. That is such a good question. It could be whatever, you know, supplement, some idea, some ideology. Literally. I mean, just cause this is like the Healy, I have to say like the frequency medicine aspect. I know you and I have been talking about like you use spooky and rife and all this stuff. Um, I think I would either say frequency medicine or just diving into like the consciousness of parasites. (laughs) (laughs) I know you and I talk about this, but, um, you said you think that they're more, it's more of like the heavy metals leaving your body, but uh, yeah, I'm convinced, you know, the whole like parasites hold on to memory and trauma in the body. And as you like do a parasite cleanse, you literally like feel the memory and those beings like remove that, like memory and DNA like from your body that's also really interesting but then also like yeah the whole the whole energy frequency medicine thing has been really interesting for me seven too because you know we like that we can touch and feel but the whole like quantum I know you're getting it super into quantum like it's it's something that I've never been like into quantum physics really but um looking more deeply into it um my dad's actually super into it. So it's funny because like I'm involved in this company, but my dad understands it, understands it more than I do. And I'm like, what? It's like, it's so funny how, you know, it's so different to comprehend these things like God, like spirits, energy, all that we can't see, but we know that it, it's valid, you know, but like meeting, like just learning so much about, um, learning so much about quantum is like really blowing my mind, but I'm already seeing the ways that it works. So I'm excited to hear your interviews with the people that you do about like quantum and even, yeah, just like the different ways to protect. I mean, there's so many things I can say for that question. So I'll just end it there. I would say frequency, frequency and parasites. The parasite one though, it's crazy. Like that they're literal just beings that are just like, like holding on to like childhood stuff. It's wow. bizarre. So I got two two little notes on that. I'll have a um, whole show on quantum that I'm going to record next month. So I'd imagine it'll be out in January because it won't come out right when I record it. So people can stay tuned for that if they want to know more about different quantum energies and how they're healing and all these different devices and stuff people can use or, um, you know, like quantum upgrade they could use if they don't want to actually buy a device. And as far as parasites, funny you say that, like I've been through this like remineral kind of like balancing program that you kind of tapped into a little bit as well. And I've been releasing a lot of parasites lately. 
And it's funny, I have a lot of like old memories and old girls I used to hang out with and stuff that just like pop up out of nowhere and then go away. And I'm like, is this like the killing off of these like creatures in my body where it's like, it's not just about like girls I used to hang out with, but they'll pop up here and there or ex-girlfriends or childhood issues. Like I'll wake up from a nap or uh, wake up and like from a dream and it'll be like so many old people in it from high school and middle school and crazy things. And I'm like, it's almost like a form of therapy. You must be like processing it in some way and in a way that you didn't process before. So it's almost like an emotional rebalancing type of thing, but it's bizarre. And there's definitely a link there with something to do with the metals and the parasites and old memories. And I'm not exactly sure on the connection there, but it it definitely happened. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. I was talking, um, I was talking to Cole, for anyone that doesn't know, Cole, I don't know if you mentioned her name, but it's Matt's wife. And I was talking to Cole about like using the, the O3 um, in different ways for that. And she was <laughs> cracking me up with her stories and encouraging me to do it. So I'm really excited. I still have my machine over here. Um, I still have only been doing the ear insufflations, but yeah, I'm I'm ready to take it a step further and get rid of those periods. Yeah. I'm, I'm it's yeah. been bizarre how many have come out and they're, you know, they're some, they're long and they're big. And, you know, my, my one functional doctor told me like, oh, a lot of times you can't really see them. It's just like the eggs that are dying. And so I did a parasite cleanse with them when I was doing the Lyme stuff and never really seen anything. And now that I've been getting healthier and healthier, I've been releasing like big ones. I'm like, oh, you can see them. Don't worry. This isn't all baby eggs. Like you can see Oh my them. gosh. So that's been... I'm curious, like I'm using, I've been using this. It's like, so, I mean, there's asparilla in here, graviola, pepper tree. It's so interesting. I actually got this in Florida after I did a blood analysis and he like pulled up the blood analysis on the screen and was showing me all like the damaged cells and then the parasites in my blood. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get this. I've seen this all over people talking about parafungal. And yeah, I've been doing it on the full moon. So then, you know, got to do it this full moon and then the next full moon when the other eggs hatch, but haven't seen anything yet, (laughs) but I'm running like, you know, certain programs with like frequencies on them. And then this, so I'm like, they're coming any day now. Yeah. It took like, um, quite a few months of like the mineral rebalancing program that uh, I've been doing now with the copper and all the other things for, for me to see anything. So it kind of like, I was feeling a little bit better, a little bit better, even though it was kind of hard. I was like fatigued at first and a little bit better, a little bit better. And then now it's like twice a week almost where it's just like, I they're there. I'm like, wow. And so, but to me, that's a sign of like getting healthy, right? Like when you're, when you're in balance, they're, they're allowed to stay. Basically your immune system can't fight them off. They're there, <clears throat> whether they're trying to protect you from heavy metals or different things in your body, but there's comes a point when you reach a certain part of your health where you eliminate them because it's like you're no longer needed here. Right. And so for me, it feels like I'm kind of mm-hmm. healing in some way somehow because I couldn't get rid of them through all the Lyme treatments and the crazy stuff I was doing with that. But now they're leaving my body as I've kind of been doing the mineral rebalancing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and also on Lyme too, like, I'm not sure how much your spooky helps you with that, but I met a woman the other day who told me that she's like, she's healed. She said 80% of her chronic Lyme with frequency. And I was like, really? Like, (laughs) I, I don't know. I, 
it, it just blows my mind of like all the different things that are, and she does, she works with a, a functional medicine guy and has a bunch of herbs and some protocols she's taking too. But that's why, you know, a lot of people are dealing with limes, and I feel like you're going to be such a, an amazing resource for that. Cause a lot of people you like they need you to talk about how you are doing with it and how you are recovering because so much so it's like that i see it all over instagram every day lime 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 it's everywhere yeah you know it's a tough battle you really got to hit head on and i did our endless hours of research and half the time i couldn't remember it and then i would reread it and i would just type lime disease and whatever podcast be people i didn't even know and just kept going all the way through it it was such a rabbit hole it was insane Read a whole book about how it was created in a lab, and we won't even go there. And (laughs) just like my like mind blown by all the information and how tough it is to deal with, it's pretty bizarre. So cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I think it went great. Uh, Why don't you let everyone know where they can find all of your work, Instagram, websites, whatever you got going on. Yeah. So the easiest way to connect with me is just Instagram. My name is Rewild Carly Rose. And yeah, always posting stuff about like meetups and off-grid tips and holistic hacks and reels about like DIYs and just how you can incorporate more of this like holistic life into your everyday and, you know, take on certain things. There's just there. I'm just, my page is really scattered though. Sometimes it's about financial freedom. Sometimes it's about health. Sometimes it's about off-grid. Like I really realized I have like no niche. So it's kind of a free for all. So you're welcome. To, you're welcome to check it out. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We'll definitely do it again uh, over time. We'll think of some different topics or something to touch on next time. Totally. Thanks, Matt. If you enjoy this show, would you please take a second to subscribe, rate, and review it for me? Also, if you'd like to know more information about Combo, personalized one-on-one coaching with me, or for upcoming retreat information, which I host with my wife, please visit my website in the show notes or DM me on Instagram. My handle over there is at integrative Matt. Until next time, my friends.